I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. We are back, and we have a very special returning guest. And how many times now? Four. This is the four. Four. four All club. right. Four timers club. The first member of the four timers for, club. Yeah. Uh, so we welcome back Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hello. Good to be back. It's always fun to hang out with you. <laughs> well, Amanda, here's my question, because today we are doing 2001s. Yes. 2001's Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Mm-hmm. Atlantis, colon, the Lost Empire? I believe Atlantis, so. Lost, I don't know. I, I think it's colon. And uh, I, you you asked to come back and do this one. I have not I have not seen this one. I remember a bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tara cannot remember if it's this one or Treasure Treasure Planet she has seen. Yeah, I feel like I sw- I've switched them in my brain. Either way, I've seen... One of them once. So yeah. it's not enough that it like really imprinted on me, I yes. feel like. And we'll go into, I, I've seen Treasure Planet. I love Treasure Planet. So, I, in so you watching, haven't seen this I one. I haven't seen this one. In watching the making of, I can understand why you get these two confused. And we'll kind of go into the similarities here in a little bit. But Amanda has definitely seen this one. Yes. Yeah, I have. What are your memories of this one? So, um... I, 2001, I was a young teen, which I always love to make you feel old, Ryan. I was a young teen. (laughs) And this was also, like, around the time I was getting, like, really into Studio Ghibli stuff. And Mm -hmm. I remember, like, I remember this movie making an impression on me as a teenager. Just like, it's like, oh, it's so deep. So deep like the ocean or whatever. So, <laughs> so like, I don't know, like for whatever reason, I made like a really emotional connection with it as a teenager. So I am really interested as far as like if, if any of that holds up for me as an adult or not. I kind of feel like it's just going to be feel like av- Avatar to me. That's that's my that's my guess. But uh, Another movie. Oh, Avatar Airbender no. or Avatar the Avatar yeah. Blue? Yeah, Ryan has never seen that. I've never seen oh, yeah. Avatar. So listeners, I know your jaw has dropped. I have. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I think I missed the window of like it. It was Of like, the hype of it. I kept yeah. going, I'll see it, I'll see it, I'll see it. And then it kept like, now it's not in, in IMAX. Now it's not, th- you know, 3D. It, so it was like, yeah. I was like, well, I guess I just won't see it. And boy, I, ha- I have a lot of thoughts on that movie because... I, that I've gone back and forth with, but we're not here for Avatar. <laughs> we're here for Atlantis. Uh, so, Tara, do you want to hit us with uh, some some facts? Maybe sure. just a brief synopsis. Do we still do synopsis? I feel like we haven't so, done it in a long time. We haven't because it's been movies. We all were like, oh, you know. Emperor's do you New want Group. me to pull it up? Well, Amanda, I mean, could you do a brief synopsis yeah, of this movie since you've seen it? Do you? Where do you usually get? You don't have to bring it up. You can just hit me with it. Oh, um, a dude named Milo. Finds stuff uh, from his grandfather, decides to, then he's like, you know, uh, tries to get like funding to go on a trip to find Atlantis. And um, 
adventure happens and things don't go to plan. <laughs> I heard this That's described good, yeah. kind of as a dirty dozen meets journey to the center of the earth. Yeah. I have a like, lot of facts on those specific things. Yeah. That you it's, a, it's a big yeah. group of people who are trying to find Atlantis. And it's so it's like Jules Verne, but also kind of um, like a big group picture, which I'll have opinions after we watch it. But in watching it, this was the longest like so I watched a two hour documentary on this movie. Wow. Yeah. And it was I think it was just all the um, special features off the DVD. Mm-hmm. And the section that was like, let's go into the characters. And they went through each character was by far the longest I have ever sat through for one of these because there are like. 20 characters yeah. that each have like their own supervising animator and, and all this. But I, I'm wondering if that's to the detriment of this movie because there's so many characters. I'm like, I'm not going to remember who all these people are. And you know me, like I'm Mr. I remember most. Oh, of them, yeah, I, I remember. Like, I have, I'm have. i going to have a real hard time, I'm sure. Right. But uh, it got a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. So Ooh, yeah, it did not do super well. But uh, it was a, considered a science fantasy action adventure and they say it was the first sci-fi full-length animated feature that disney did so they really branched out doing something different uh, with this they wanted it to be you know they they had a shirts made that said less songs more explosions did i just steal one of your facts you did i'm sorry like this was a big thing where they're like we're gonna do uh uh, it's going to feel comic booky. It's going to feel like Star Wars or Raiders of the Lost Ark and more of these things that you just kind of like showed up. I it, it it felt like that era of people were taking over at the studio. People who grew up kind of watching those movies, yeah. And it felt like they were had a real excitement for it, um, and and that's what they went for here. Yeah. So it the development began after Hunchback. So that's 1996. So mm-hmm. to kind of just put that in perspective, because it doesn't come out till 2001. It's the same Hunchback directors. Yes. Uh, Rick Wise and Gary Truesdale, I believe, with the and, producer Don Hahn. And they took inspiration from Star Wars and Indiana Jones, as you had mentioned. That's part of where their inspiration came from. They were also inspired by works by Jules Verne. So he was a French novelist, poet, and playwright, and he wrote Journey to the Center of the Earth. That was 1864. Great book. He wrote 20, yeah, he wrote 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, 1870, and Around the World in 80 Days in 1872. He, uh, apparently they go to Atlantis and Journey to the Center of the Earth, or mm-hmm. like they go through it. It's like a stop in there, mm. yeah. go, and it's just like an abandoned city, and that's what they kind of talk about, so. So yeah, have you guys read any of the, I've not. I've, I've read I, Journey to the Center of the earth. Okay. I feel like I might have when I was younger, but I also don't know if it was like an abridged version that was more of like a picture book. Because like I remember maybe more pared book. down for like children. Yeah, yeah. Like I might have done that, but I'm, I've also seen Journey to the or maybe not Journey to the Earth. Oh yeah, Journey to the, Center of the Earth. So these are also during the like 50s and 60s. These are the B movies where they like do Ray Harryhausen like stop motion animation. They did mm-hmm. it for a Mysterious Island, which is. I think the sequel, the sequel or the prequel too, because Nemo's in it, Captain Nemo from 20,000 Leagues okay. Under the Sea. But like they had like a big giant crab and a giant like hornet or something, if I remember correctly. And then, but I think Journey to the Center of the Earth was a cheaper production studio. So it's literally like, oh no, dinosaurs. And then it's like, 
an iguana with like horns taped to it and like a thing and it's just you know bum 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 and it's like just on like a miniature set and they're going yeah no <laughs> it's great but i used to love the i think these type of movies that were based on his works because yeah. i i love 50s 60s sci-fi monster movies mm-hmm. yeah so uh another interesting thing this is pg and mm-hmm. so we mentioned this in Dinosaur, but the other PG movies of Disney, can you name them? Obviously, I just said one of them. Well, more of so them I are like you... now. I feel like Wreck-It Ralph and, and is, is I'm is only frozen? up to this movie. Oh, up to this movie? So what ones are PG? And I gave you one of them. Black Cauldron. Mm-hmm. Hunchback? No, not Hunchback. Although Shockingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were kind of shocked because uh, it is. Is Who Framed Roger Rabbit count? Because remember, we thought it was PG-13. Turned out it was just PG. No, that's not listed in here because okay. I think it's full-length animated yeah, yeah, features. Yeah, yeah. So Dinosaur is the one I gave you, Black Cauldron, and you're missing one that is um, appropriate for this time of year in the haunting season. Oh, are we season. a Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess that isn't... Well, it's stop motion. Yeah, but, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so those are the ones that I read that they list. Yes. So up to this point, we have four PG. I think this is where we start having more Disney PG movies. Like, it's it, even like... I don't well, know do you if- think that's also because the way that they rate it movies changed as well? Or do you think the content... It's a combination of the content as well as what is considered PG versus G. I, yeah. I vaguely remember a curse word being said in this movie. I, well, there's also a chain smoker in this movie. Yeah. And she's one of the last characters to smoke in yes. a Disney film. Apparently it was I a read. big deal. They yeah. really pushed to have her be a chain smoker in this. The other thing that I found really interesting about this, because I'm not a huge sci-fi person, and Ryan, I know you are, and Amanda, are you? Like, you you dabble your toes are in the water. I feel like I dabble more now that I'm married to Ryan. But, <laughs> you married into it. Yeah, but um, but I just found this really interesting, and I don't know that I'm going to say his name right, but Mark O'Crand. I don't know who that is. Uh, he created the language, the Vulcan language for the original Star Trek series oh. in 1966. See, I've only recently really gotten into yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, he so. also created the, how do you, is it Atlantean? Atlantean, that, Atlantean, yes. Atlantean. He created See, the Atlantean. Just, just confidence, my I know. Dear. <laughs> he created the Atlantean language as well mm-hmm. for this. And how you read the Atlantean language is left to right, drop down a line, and then right to left. And the idea behind that was to create a flowing water-like movement. Oh, that's interesting. So I thought it was cool that he wanted the movement. And I don't know, because I don't remember, again, if I've Mm -hmm. seen this one or not, if we actually ever see any script to see that movement. I don't don't know if we do or not. I don't know if we see people writing, but they've got writing all over the place. All over the place. So... So I just found that really interesting how much thought was put into the, it. And it makes sense since he created the Vulcan language. It makes sense that he kind of did a deep dive into this. The no make, pun intended. <laughs> oh, the uh, the making of uh, all the like titles of the sections were done in Atlantean and they'd switched to English. But I didn't notice if they were like flipping in a scrolled. weird way. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't know the language that well. Can I share a little – This is this is, you know, my own – personal background but can i share a little skyrim story speaking of made-up languages yeah, that's actually when i read when i read that that's the first thing i thought of was the skyrim language so the dragon language was made up by uh one of our, our lead quest designer i believe 
Um, and the way he did it was, if you go and you look at it, all the, the symbols, you think about a dragon in Skyrim, they have the three talons. So everything looks like it's scratched, kind of like that's all you could write with. So that was like a, a concerted effort. I think that was kind of so neat. Cool. I know it doesn't have anything to do with this, but it's listen. There's only so many times I can be like, "Oh, my dragon language story will yeah. fit the current conversation," <laughs> and this was one of them. So here we go. No, awesome. it is really interesting, and I think in general, when people create a whole language off of something, I find it really interesting because there's so much that goes into it. Right? Well, it's it's about like what it looks like, how you read it what it sounds like. You know what I mean? Like there's so many pieces of it and that's fascinating to me. Well, I think this movie from what I've gathered is like a huge effort in Disney world building because like this is an original story. It's based off a lot of things. Atlantis like doesn't have a history. It has multiple stories multiple like, like fictional stories fictional about backgrounds, which yeah. i'll go into a little bit but this thing they came up with like they go okay you know we don't want it to look tr- the, like the traditional greco uh, greco roman which was what a lot of them did they did a lot of things from like cradle of civilization well what i read about it too is they wanted to illustrate the atlantean civilization as mother culture yeah so they looked at cradle it. of civilization oh, okay, yeah, yeah so i don't know it's, that it, it's sorry. the idea of like you know, I, I think like all Mesopotamian, Babylonian, like those areas that are like we're supposed to have come out of that area. Yeah. And I it sounded from what I read, it sounded like they wanted the influences of all the civilizations. Yes. To be included. So that, okay. but they also did a lot of things because one of the 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 uh, theories of Atlantis is that it was a large continent in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, because and, it, and, it, and the like conspiracy theory behind it is well that's why there's pyramids in Egypt and South America and there's like bananas in Africa and South America it's like because this they used to come over across there used to be shipping between them that was easier because of a big continent because of in the a Atlantic con- Ocean as opposed exist. to like the Pangaea uh, theory that we were all one continent at one point and then you know moved apart drifted into separate continents over millions of years yeah um boy i l- let me go into that real quick the, the, i have some notes on the uh the the atlant the the background of atlantis okay um i just remember it like as a child like wishing it was real that like because i loved being in the water mm-hmm. so like the idea <laughs> of like swimming down mm-hmm. like going down deep and like finding this whole like magical i pictured it more i feel like i picture atlantis more like ariel like more mm-hmm. like king Triton's castle okay. like as a kid that's, that's, is, that's isn't true. that atlantica or something it might be. I can't remember what. Of course, it's named. taken probably from Atlantis. Yeah, they don't mention it in the but movie. That's but that's like as a child when I heard of Atlantis. Again, I don't know that I ever specifically read any stories about Atlantis, but it was obviously something. You know. Well, what did you think about when you heard of about Atlantis? Yeah, I I kind of feel like it was it was probably along the the same lines of like, um, you know, just just finding something that nobody believes existed, like. I don't know, like, like I'm going back to myself as a teenager again, and like in that time of my life where I'm, I was like really trying to figure myself out, and it was like, oh, there's like parts of me that I don't know yet, or something. Like it was, like, <laughs> this is real deep. It's yeah, so deep. I like it. It's um, a kind of I thought of similar... Aquaman. Oh, so... Aquaman, cool. Uh, it's also I feel like similar to like the Fountain of Youth, right? Yeah, if yeah, that's yeah. another one that it's you know you kind of think about and what it would look like and and I feel like I did draw I 
now I'm like having weird memories of like doing crayon drawings of Atlantis. Well, you so. have to see if your mom still has. I you. know she saved everything, so, so she might. One of the earliest Atlantis Atlantis stories is from Plato. Yes, I briefly read a fact on this, but um, I didn't write it down. He described it as an island beyond the pillars of Hercules, which the directors of this movie went, no one knows what that means. Um, they said it was an island continent ruled by Poseidon and the Titans and that the gods sank it. Um, some theories have been that maybe it's Santorini, which is in the Greek Isles, mm-hmm. because Santorini is a uh, like a, a volcano destroyed. Destroy, it's still there. Yeah. But it's a very volcanic island. You know, you can see where the, the that explosion may, you know, change the island. And there are archaeological digs, like, under the water right at the, the shoreline. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of theories that maybe that's what Atlantis was. Um, I would now like to speak about Edgar Casey, who was an oh, American boy. clairvoyant. Here we go. Who used to say he, he used to do predictions in his dreams. Now, I didn't get to read a ton now, about this Now, were guy. any of them true? No, not okay. the ones that I saw. But um, <laughs> he believed that all minds were connected in dreams. He called it, he was called the sleeping prophet. When did he live? Uh, uh Probably early, er, the early 20th century. Okay. Um, That's when he was prominent, I think. Uh, he believed that he believed a lot in Atlantis. That he dreamt about it a lot. He said crystals had powered Atlantis, and he predicted that in 1958 the U.S. would discover a death ray that had been used on Atlantis hmm. to destroy it. Uh, he also predicted the destruction of most of California and the second coming of Christ during the 20th century. Got it. And as people in the 21st century, we can say that those didn't happen. So <laughs> I'm just interested in this person. He had a real uh, just oddball feel to him. I wanted to look into more about him. But yeah, those are some original Atlantis stories. Yeah. Well, in the crystals, I feel like that is prominent in this as well well these are actually the stories sorry when i say these are atlanta stories these are ones that they directly directly, looked into yeah yeah yeah, that they they chose from well another thing they did we always find this interesting when the animators or the production team or whoever is involved goes and travels to areas Mm -hmm. to do research and so the production team took a trip to carlsbad caverns so the national park i really want to go there did Uh, you read the story about the spider cavern though no you can talk about that in a minute go ahead (laughs) Uh, but it's in new mexico and they did it to get a better uh idea and a better feeling a better feel of what it was like to live underground yes so they really wanted to immerse themselves and what it could feel like to live underground. And that's kind of where they took inspiration from. Well, I know they looked at a lot of submarines and into like World War One tanks as well for yeah. that kind of aspect of this. But going back to Carlsbad Cavern for a second, uh, there's a video where it shows Don Hahn um, like going into it's one of those things where he's going into a hole about. Maybe manhole cover size. Okay, I already hate this because you mentioned spiders. Well, so I then know it's where called it's the going. spider cavern, and they're climbing down. And all of a sudden, someone goes, "Why is this called the spider cavern?" And the guy, the guide, points up, and they all look up. And one one guy <laughs> described, he goes, "It was like being an Indiana Jones movie, where no, like, <laughs> like were they creepy- really big?" Or they, they didn't they say. Didn't say it was they just, just said they were the, the roof was covered oh, in bugs God. and spiders. No. Yeah. No, and they were no, like, no, 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 no. Exactly. All right. So I want to do some of the Carlsbad caverns. <laughs> I want to stay away from the spider cavern. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about when you mentioned submarines is there's something specific. We just recently watched this movie uh, with Ryan's parents. We're doing like. Watch kind of a alongs. film club with my dad. Yeah, and we're doing which, it where like in, not in, in person my, because yes. we're four hours apart. So it's a way that, you know, 
with us not being able to see them as much with everything going on, it's kind of a way that we can like connect with them. And but also of, in, in which my mother refuses to use Zoom or anything. So and it's just on puts the speakerphone. The, the, oh the phone's on the yeah, whole time. Yeah, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very low like, tech. Well, let's, let's learn how to do, do Zoom. And she's like, no, this will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I hope but my anyway, mom never listens to any yeah. of these episodes. <laughs> but anyway, one of the movies we recently have watched is The Hunt for Red October. So something to look out for is early in the submarine's journey, the order is given 15 degree down angle on bow. Oh, hold on. Oh, no, I can't read my writing. Do they say, do they do a crazy Ivan? On bow, please come right 240. So they don't say. So that's say, the same. Yeah, but it's the familiar. same exact. I don't know that I have the words right because I can't read my writing. But what they say in Hunt for Red October is exactly what they say yeah. on the submarine. So I thought that's that awesome. was cool because there's so many. <laughs> We were talking about all the influence. It's clear that these directors love these types of movies, right? We talked about the influence of Indiana Jones and Star Wars. We talked about the influence. You mentioned comic books. Mike Mike Mignola, the creator of the Hellboy comics, he provided initial production sketches for the film. And apparently when they called him up to ask him to do this... His first response was, "How did you get my number? Like, or who told you about <laughs> yeah. me? Something like that." He was in the. Th- now I'm going to give you the look for stealing my. Ha! I love it. Um. Uh. He. So I love Mike Bignola. Um. He apparently he came in. They did a little short interview with him. And he's like, I came in and they had take. I they blew up all these pictures of my work and they were. There was all these breakdowns and posters everywhere that were like, "How you do Mignola hands? How you do Mignola." This, 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 this. Yeah. Like, and he was like, I didn't even know how. To, he, he started asking them questions. Like, why do you think I do this? Because he's like, I've never thought about how I do I it. Just this is just how it. I draw. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's really interesting. He has a very, how did they describe his channel? It's a very high contrast style with like sharp edges. And he has a very limited color palette. Um, and so they took that influence? They took that influence. Like the... Big stone guardians near the end are a big... Uh, it was a high contrast, bold use of black, limited color palette. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you look at their fingers. Their fingers aren't rounded. They, like, sharpen off at the end. There's a lot of, like... That's very Mignola look. Um, the guardians at the end look very Mignola. Like, a lot of the Atlantis stuff where it's, like... that was That's Hellboy. Hellboy goes and, like, fights old, ancient monsters and stuff. And so a lot of it looks like that, like kind of weirdly gothic or ancient stone work. So those, there's like guardians at the end, I think of this movie. I don't know. Again, I haven't, like as much as footage as they showed me, I felt like I still don't know what happens in this movie. Yeah. Um, But yeah, a lot of that is that. And I'm excited to point that stuff out. Well, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that as well. I feel like- Can I jump in with one more thing? Yeah. Because with Mignola, uh, they made a big effort in this to go outside Disney, like to go outside Animation Disney. They had a lot of people come in with design work and concept work that was outside of animation in general, but also Disney animation. They referred to it as uh, peeking outside the the gene pool, Mm. which they thought was a good way to like get this stuff in. But that's why it's like, you know- comic art and that sort of things that kind of made their their mark on this movie yeah do you um we didn't do this in the beginning but do you know what it made when it came out how successful it was uh it wasn't very successful That's, i know it's that not was the my impression 10. when i read facts about it but i, did I think it talk got like less than 200 million and it was made for a 80 million which makes its money back but wasn't yeah. considered a success uh top three movies that year real quick uh harry potter and the 
philosopher's stone unless you're in america where we don't understand philosophers apparently and it's a sorcerer's stone <laughs> um the lord of the rings fellowship of the ring and monsters inc followed co- closely at fourth by shrek ah so now so we're getting is year shrek. shrek is and about this is to the first change year everything. we had this fact in dinosaur this is the first year that the academy awards now have an award for best because shrek wins it for best animated yes. feature. Mm. Shrek is the first animated film to win. We will do Shrek someday. Shrek yeah. has a very big I don't know I don't know when. We'll probably in a another season, but Shrek needs to be talked yeah. about. So <laughs> yeah, and the connection with Disney, I feel yes. like, because of yeah, all of the, the turmoil between uh mm-hmm. oh, I can't think of either of their I, names. Uh, uh Katzenberg and Eisner. Yes, thank you. Uh well the reason I wanted to ask that is we're talking about them again going away from the Disney brand, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like anytime they do that, it seems that they're mildly successful or there's a, a huge group of people that love it, but overall it's not commercially successful, right? And I find that interesting, but I I do like that they still do it, right? I like that I like that they took this leap with this because it is so different because I feel like it speaks to a whole different audience of Mm -hmm. individuals as well. And the other thing I wanted to mention, I just feel like this is a movie for you because of all the influences. The Ulysses is attacked by a Leviathan in the film. And apparently, I don't know because I don't have a memory of this super memory of this film. It's similar to a scene in Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Oh, uh, where Obi-Wan J- and Jar Jar and is yeah, it Jin? there's always a bigger fish. Yes. Yeah, they're attacked by sea monsters in the Naboo Ocean. Okay. So <laughs> I, I know that that's not your favorite. Such a bad scene. But uh, I feel like I it's, saw I saw it in the theater and then I've never seen it again. Oh, I so. saw it like seven or eight times. I know. That's time. why I wanted I to mention it. this fact. I know you've because seen it a lot. Because I was, I was 18... <laughs> I had autonomy to go see any movie I want. In fact, my parents were like, go away now. <sighs> and there's like, like we know you're going to the movie theater, go. So that was when I was seeing any movie I wanted. Um, I didn't understand that it was bad. I kind of got there at a certain point. I had a friend who had seen Titanic like that many times. And I was trying to beat her record. Because at that time, it was like Titanic was the number one movie in the world. And, and it as beat it out should, Star Wars. As it should have been. <laughs> Titanic is great. Better than Star Wars? Better than that specific I, Star Wars? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But yes. you have to understand, like, you guys, we live in a world where Star Wars is available everywhere. Like, they used That's to put, true. like, pictures of yeah. R2-D2 on, like, fruit. Like, yeah. now, at that no, time, it was, like, true. much harder yeah. to get And Star I remember, Wars. I do remember when those movies came out was a big deal. Like, we went and saw every single one of them in the theater. Yeah, because it I was waited a, in yeah. line. No one waits in line anymore. Yeah, we waited in movies. line, too. Yeah. Just, come on. It's a, that, by I the way, love that's one that of the worst scenes in the movie, and I can. I love that you don't have to wait in line in a movie theater. Oh, it's the anymore. best. It's great. Um, I also love that midnight movies sometimes happen at seven p.m. Yes, that's oh. my favorite. Yeah, I know. Now that we're old. All right, so. Uh, but back to it. Yes. So uh, apparently, this is the first male hero to wear glasses. To totally change the subject, I thought that was kind of a fun fact. An- another more more I think poignant first is this is one of our first. Uh, in Doctor Sweet is one of our first African American characters, but 
also, I think, I believe our they first African-American as... supervising animator on him. Oh, well, oh. that I really like. Awesome. They say that, yeah, Ron an important husband. secondary character. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's a, awesome. Say his name again. I might have cut you off. Sorry. Ron Husband is is the animator. Um, I don't, I, I was going to bring up the, 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 the voice work is also done by a uh, African-American man. And he's one of the first African-American characters. Now, actually, if you look into his backstory, he's half African. He's he's African-American and Native American. He His father was a rough rider and his mother was a Native American. Oh, okay. So I have a fun fact. We haven't really gone into the voice cast. So if we want to do that, because there are some very big deal, prominent names. But Michael J. Fox is Milo and he improvises a line. He gets seasick. And he ad-libs carrots. Why are there always carrots? He's allergic oh. to carrots. So well, it was also, like just that's a an, throw up joke. Yeah. Like. But it was an improvised line based on his real life. So I just thought that that was kind of fun. So he's a big name. James Garner mm-hmm. is the oh. villain. I love I love me some James Garner. And I've got some facts about him uh, in a minute here. But I didn't know if you wanted to go into any of the other voices. Uh, Phil Morris was the, the voice of Dr. Sweet. We've got... Uh, Corey Burton, who's a prolific voice actor, has done so many roles um, as Moliere, who is the 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 digging specialist. Do we remember this character? The guy who looks like a mole. In what movie? And has all the dirt. See, that this sounds movie. familiar. Oh, Maybe movie. I have seen this movie. Yes, he's the, the guy who's like, he yes. has all the dirt. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, John Mahoney, who was uh, Fraser Crane's dad as oh, yeah. Preston Whitmore. Please check out Craniacs wherever you get your uh, podcasts. That's C-R-A-N-E-I-A-C-S. <laughs> That's Ryan's um, other podcast. My other podcast. Uh, Leonard <laughs> Nimoy, Don Novello as Vinny, uh, a bunch of actors. But one I, I want to talk about more than anyone else. Sure. Is Jim Varney. This is Jim Varney's last role as Cookie. Yes, the, I read a bunch of facts yes. about this. He, uh, Jim Varney, of course, Ernest. Um, we, you know, at this point, we might have heard a very special Halloween episode of Ernest Scared Stupid, <laughs> uh, Childhood Trauma Theater. Um, he, this was his last role. I believe he died of lung cancer. Yeah, he like a, fifty, I think. He was he a was, big smoker. He was on the younger side. Um, yeah, and apparently, passed. when he was recording this, he he like or when they were showing him or something like. There was a point where he goes, oh, I'm never going to see this movie. Like, he knew he was going to pass before then. But they brought him, like, preliminary stuff for his scenes, and he was so happy about it. That's great. Um, Also, Jim Varney, of course, also the voice of Slinky Dog for the first two stories. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. And so going back to my main man, James Garner. Uh, Do you have a crush on James Garner? I feel like I, you might. Like from Maverick, right? That's yeah, yeah, James yeah, that's, Garner. It's, yeah, it's, it's, that's, it's the, that's like my James Garner. Like when I think of him, I think of him from Maverick. I think of him from Support Your Local Sheriff. Uh, oh, yeah. Did you also ever see a movie called My Fellow Americans? No. Where it's him and Jack Lemmon are... It's a comedy, but they're embroiled in like a political thriller type scenario. But they're both former presidents that oh. hate each other, huh. and mm. they get stuck together. They're the only ones who know, and they get stuck there. Yeah, and I just remember it because they 
both have they go there's a the scene where he's like what are your words he's like what do you mean he goes you know your words to hail the chief he's like i don't do that he's like yeah you do everybody does it like everybody he's like what's yours and james Garrett's like hail to the chief he's the chief and he needs hailing everybody stand <laughs> up he's coming to the room like he's like they all have like <laughs> their own version yeah, that's that's, fun. and it's the joke is every former president i really hope that that's true like <laughs> i really <laughs> hope that there's like some truth to that because that's great uh Apparently, other voices that were considered for Commander Rourke were Tommy Lee Jones, oh. Kurt Russell, Heath Ledger, oh. and Heath Ru- Ledger. Yeah, I read that. Does that track age-wise, or is he too young here? I mean, he but he's way younger than any of those other people. And Joaquin like, Phoenix, so he would also interesting. Be they must have been so going. They must have for, gone like, two these are two ways. different versions. Yeah. yeah. Well, Michael um, J. But Fox I love Tom- has sort of like a young sound to him. So no, but this would be for Rorick, not. Oh, I the, missed that part. Yeah, Got not Miley. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. villain. Yeah, um, I like Tommy Lee Jones or Kurt Russell. I think that would have been. Yeah, a I mean, we're I talking mean, like my top three like old man actors yeah. right now. <laughs> so uh, the last thing I have here is apparently when James Garner was told he went in, he did a bunch of the voice work, and then he was told it'll be eighteen months between recordings before we'll need you again because you know we'll put it together, we'll show you some things, and we'll and, need pickups, and then yeah, and then we'll need you back. And he said. Can you speed things up? At my age, I don't even buy green bananas. <laughs> like, that's a really good. That's a really good line. Uh, but I also have some other voices that were considered for uh, Michael J. Fox. So Toby Maguire, Jim Carrey, Nicolas Cage, Brad Pitt. And then there's other ones, but those are kind of the big names. I feel like at that time, they're probably just putting Brad Pitt on everything. On everything. Yes. Just like, can we get Brad Pitt? Yeah. And the answer was no. They had to save him for Sinbad. DreamWorks Sinbad. Remember that movie? <laughs> no. Nope. That's funny. Uh, no, I think Michael J. Fox was the right choice. But I, I always find it interesting when you can read that list of other names that were considered mm. or other people they wanted to try to get. But uh, do you have anything else? Um. I thought had some interesting stuff with some of the d- designs. Um, I, now, now you're gonna have to help me with the name of the. Is it Kida? Is the is the lead female character like the princess of Atlantis? Sure. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah, sure. Uh, well, I believe it was Kida, but they did a lot of work on her. I think that was very interesting. It was a little weird to hear the animator talk about this because it was very in a way objectifying but you could tell he i think he felt uncomfortable talking about it because he was like well i gave her like she's dark skinned because i wanted her to not look like the quote unquote girl next door she's got white dark skin but completely white hair mm. she's uh built this way and like he's discussing all her features and i feel bad for the guy cuz he didn't feel like he was like i i find this attractive like he was like very seemed yeah. very embarrassed to talk about it cuz he's like i wanted her to be attractive but i wanted her to look different like then mm-hmm. he's like you know essentially he's like i don't want her to look like a a white princess from germany she's like yeah this she's got he goes she's got very big lips because i've looked at a little he's like i've looked at a lot of pictures of supermodels and i noticed that they all have very big lips like he's like i made her nose wider because i think in most cases like they look like this and like mm-hmm. i wanted it to look like kind of a mish uh, in a bit a mishmash of because this is supposed to be again the cradle of civil- civilization yeah so it's like this is where a lot of features come together. 
mm-hmm. in a way because this is the origin of those features. Yeah. Um, did you read about the uh, the prologue they did, the original prologue? No. So originally they had a whole scene because this movie, I'll go back a little bit. This movie, they just sat and they wrote and they wrote and they came up with ideas. There was a whole scene with a lava whale where oh. it was a whale that breathed lava. And one one of the guys, the screenwriter went, I'm glad we took that out. It didn't make any sense. But like (laughs) they would write these big scenes and storyboard them. They'd be these big action scenes. They had squid bats that attacked them. And they had to like make this like electrical fence really quick. Like, and they go, okay. And, And they go, let's see the script. And the first script came in at like 155 pages. Which for scripts, you the general idea is one page equals one minute. Okay. So that would have put this almost like you know that's, yeah. that's two hours and thirty five minutes. Yeah. And they're like, mm, okay, can you get it down? And then they did a like, they those rough drafts where they just pretty much do the whole movie and they record the dialogue and they do just it's just still shots of the movie and rough kind of sketches. A real rough. Co- yeah. This is what we want it to look like. And they go okay, and it came in like almost two hours, and. They, it was only two thirds of the film, and they're like, "All right, guys, <laughs> like you can't just keep making up these. Like all these action scenes are really cool, but you have to back up on them." Yeah. So originally they had this idea for how long is the film? Like, what did the film wind I don't up know. being? I, it might be kind. Of, okay. See, even an hour and a half is kind of long for a Disney film mm-hmm. at this point. So this one is ninety six minutes long, mm-hmm. which oh. I feel like most of the ones we've been watching have been like seventy five something. Yeah, like but that. it's still impressive hearing what they had to pare it down to, right? If they were at two yes. and a half hours, so so they had a scene at the beginning because the whole idea is they're trying to find the shepherd's book, which is the 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 journal that was like the first guy who encountered Atlantis wrote down all this stuff, and, it, the, and the pages gets, were lost. Something yeah, with gets, that, right? It gets yeah. passed down and down and down through time. So they have this whole scene where the Vikings are looking for Atlantis and they get attacked by what eventually you come to find is the Leviathan mm-hmm. and they lose the book. Well, that whole thing was inked, was was drawn, inked. Like, oh, it was wow. Done. So it was, yeah. Yeah, because they're like, oh, this will be a great like thing. And then all of a sudden one, somebody came in, I forgot who it was, and goes, you're all going to kill me. And they're like, and the directors were like, we immediately crossed our arms and we're like, go on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we have to get rid of this spot. They go, why? He goes, well, you don't meet the Atlanteans till over halfway through the movie, and I don't care about them by then. So what if we had the sinking of Atlantis, and we actually have Kida, Kaida, whoever that character is, Yeah, and she as a baby is there. And they all cross their arms, and they're like, mm-hmm. And then he goes, because in our heads we were going, he's right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, he goes, and if you watch any – uh, screening we've had of the movie of people who've never seen it they'll watch it with the kid and then they'll go through it and then when she shows up later because she looks very similar they all go that's the girl like the, the kids all go that's the girl from the beginning and they're like yeah it was a lot of money it was a lot of time but he was right but we'll put this up on the Facebook page you can see the old prologue it's, oh, it's that's done cool. that's cool. <laughs> which is crazy far along for a Disney movie so yeah um, other than that, I have stuff I'll, I'll go into when we come back. Uh, do you have any uh, anything you want to add, Amanda? No. You excited to watch this yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good to return to it. I think I may have seen it. The more like you started talking about the individual characters, maybe it's Treasure Planet I haven't seen. I don't know, listeners. Stay tuned. When we come back, I hopefully will have a better idea. <laughs> and, and like I said, remind me when we come back and I'll go into why you may have made that distinction. Um, oh, between the two. Yeah. The filmmaking techniques and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for now, sounds like we're ready to take the VHS out of the v- 
Oh, God. I know. The last couple of times you've really tongue-tied this. I get up in my head. Okay. <laughs> right, it sounds like it's time for us to take the VHS out of the clamshell and stick it in the VCR. See you on the other side, listeners. Listeners, we are back, and I know you've been waiting and wondering, have I seen this movie before? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is yes. As soon as it opened up and I saw the Atlanteans for the first time and kind of saw the way that they interacted, I was like, oh, I've seen this one. So I am thinking Treasure Planet is the one I have not seen, and I have, in fact, seen this one. So, so far, there's only been one movie that neither of us have seen in its dinosaur. So far, yeah. So, I know they've also been wondering how I, who've never seen this, like this movie. And I did. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I um, thought it was good. I mean, it was a rewatch. I've only seen it once. So. It was It was interesting that it definitely... Like, I also get why it didn't do well. Because it's mm-hmm. trying to do a lot of things... That aren't Disney, like aren't yeah. known for Disney. So if you went well, especially to it, in two thousand one, I yeah, feel like I think if you went to it expecting a Disney movie, expecting the beats of a Disney movie, you know, it doesn't necessarily follow all of those in the same way. I also think they like the stakes are weird. Like when they're fighting the Leviathan, which I'm shocked the Leviathan never came back. Mm. Yeah. Um, like the. You don't really, you're like, it's like, cool, look at the submarine, and the submarine's gone. Or like, what do we have to fight this Leviathan? It's like, oh no, that's a a crazy monster. But also our submarine shoots off like eight smaller, like the submarine does stuff that couldn't happen in real life. Mm -hmm. So like the stakes against a monster are weird, like a mechanical monster. Like, I I thought I was going to enjoy the parts leading up to Atlantis and when they got to Atlantis I was going to kind of fall off because usually I don't like mystical stuff as much. I mm-hmm. like I like the like Jules Verne stuff. Seeing on the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I, I was the yeah. opposite watching this. Like as soon as Kida who's like now one of my favorite Disney princesses showed up like legitimately a disney princess mm-hmm. like, is she officially considered one? no but she's a princess oh, she should be yeah she's a princess like mulan's a not a princess movie. but yeah. she kind of gets but mulan is in the parks that's what i'm saying yes I want... she doesn't have presence in the parks does she i'll have to look up on that character thing but she doesn't have a bra i don't think this movie has a much of a presence yeah well amanda what did you think you know was one that you loved growing up how did it hold up for you i loved it i think i I feel like I might have I appreciate it more. Like it's it's beautiful to look at. Like first mm-hmm. of all, I just thought it. I was just sort of blown away by like the art of it. Um, and and, and the world building. Yeah, like yeah. Ryan had mentioned earlier. Like they did a lot of home homework, so to speak, in really building this world that made you feel like you were immersed in it. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I I think that's why I liked Atlantis better too because. Under underground was too dark. Like I felt like I couldn't see anything. Like, but I think it also that's the contrast of when you get to Atlantis too. Right? Yes, but like that's like forty minutes of like. I guess that's true. I can like it looks kind of muddy and and not super interesting. Like when they did stuff like the firefly attack scene, or that was cool, yeah. when they pop out of the water for the first time and there's lights in the submarine well, like I'm- that. And when they're in the dark through that montage, and we'll kind of go into it, but when they're in the dark in the montage, you do see the Atlanteans. We don't really know what they are yet. Yes, that was a very cool design. I love their masks. Yeah. This is with that big fur, and they look Mm -hmm. like kind of otherworldly creatures. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I thought there was a lot, like a lot of the characters were really cool. Um, we'll obviously get it this at the end, but this is like the most female characters in a like pretty and main, strong female yeah, characters. And, I would and, say and you varied. Know? I feel like up until this point, you had a lot of movies where it was like you've got the funny guy and the tech guy and the strong mm-hmm. guy and the woman. And the, like the woman was the woman like a, was that was was yeah, a thing, and this thing. has well, there's the woman who's like the henchman, but she's also very strong, and there's the woman who's like really smart tech girl, and she's spunky, and there's the old like there's old there's the the, the princess, there's Kita, there's Packard, Packard there's Aub- Aubrey or Audrey, Aubrey, Aubrey and Helga, or maybe Audrey. We'll have to look it up. Yeah, I might have written it down. But they're all point. super interesting, and even though this isn't a female, like it's not a female protagonist or even a female antagonist. Like main, and they were all drastically different, but all strong, yes. which I really like. And even and me- all good at what they set out to do, whether that was good or evil, right? Yes, and even Helga at the beginning like starts off as a femme fatale. Yes, I think in an effort to like throw Milo off because she's not really like that the rest of the movie. Like she's still she's not like like. To me, it was having seen the movie. The fact that she showed up in like a slinky dress, like it all felt like a put on to get Milo. Yeah, in the I car. think it was to mm-hmm. to captivate him, and then also she presumably is working for Whitmore. But then we find out really she's working with Rorick. Rorick, but to Milo, she's like Whitmore's second in command. Yeah, right? the one who's funding this whole mission. So it is interesting. There's a lot of deception. I mean, Milo is deceived in many different ways throughout right, right. this. Yeah. So let's go through it. I got a ton of stories I forgot to say in the first I'm, part. Yeah, I'm excited. I, of course, have like three pages of notes describing this plot. So I'm going to try to like skip around. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of really intense um, battle scenes that are really hard to describe. So when we get to those, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like we can say what we liked about them or what we thought was cool about them. But it's kind of hard to describe that mm-hmm. beat for mm-hmm. beat. But when it opens, the Walt Disney uh, picture, the the castle logo is almost in like steel. It's, it's a, textured. It, it looks, looks like really cool. It looks like the Twenty Thousand Leagues Ride. It's yeah. like underwater, and there's a kind of like wavy light. Yeah, I don't know light. that it's steel, but yeah, it's got a. It texture looks like rusted. I think you're right. I think it's like rusted metal. Mm-hmm. And there's a Plato quote that I took a picture of because anytime there's writing on something, uh, I never can write it down fast enough. But after we see the logo of Disney, this Plato quote from 360 BC, in a single day and night of misfortune, the island of Atlantis disappeared into the depths of the sea. I'm surprised we didn't get any Edward Casey quotes, uh, the the yeah. mentalist. The one, we didn't get, oh, I'm yeah. kidding. Cause I, but I feel like him being like, I, when I sleep, I see Atlantis, Edward <laughs> Casey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but what I what struck me right away is when it opens, it is silent. The only there's no instrumental music. I don't know if you guys caught that, but when it opens, it's just the sounds of the flying machines. I don't know what we mm. want to call them. The stone flying machine. The fish fly. The fish fly. Flying fish. But it's just the sounds of that, and then the instrumental music picks up. So I did find that that had to have been a very active choice, and James, so I found that interesting. James Newton Howard, I believe, is the uh, the composer here. He did Lord of the Rings. I think he did some of the Dark Knight stuff. He's like a very prolific composer. I he really did, liked the instrumental. The, he worked the music on, on for, this. for Disney. He did Dinosaur, This, and Treasure Planet. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I feel like they're all well. I now that I know which one I've seen, but they're epic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so kind of 
that kind of makes sense. But we see this battle going on and we see Kida's mother get beamed up. Like, I didn't know really how else to describe that. But essentially, she's called to this light. She's called and we find out more later about what exactly happened to her mother in this moment. And all of a sudden, this force field goes around Atlantis and the water covers it. And that's how it gets kind of submerged underwater. And at this point, we don't exactly know why. And I do like that, that when we get to the end of the film, it comes full circle and we see how that happens from a different perspective. I want to back up. I said James Newton Howard uh, did Lord of the Rings. He did not. That's Howard Shore. That was bothering me. That's why I got quiet there for a minute. I was okay. trying to figure it out. But he did do a lot of he did he did uh, work with Hans Zimmer on The Dark Knight and those and got Batman it. Begins. I was kind of surprised they didn't say what was going on, which I think in the end was very cool because it I think was, it was a full circle in the end, and now you see it from the perspective of being a land an Atlantean mm-hmm. versus like we were. I felt like outsiders watching it happen in the beginning, mm-hmm. so I thought it was a cool way to do that. I liked it because it also was a mystery to Kita, like like. Yeah, so she, she's she so you're young. also in her well even when you see her later she's like I don't know what happened to my mother like that's that's a mystery we're trying to solve it's not like Milo shows up and she goes oh my mother was taken answers. into blah 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 yeah. blah blah like like that's what I think makes the Atlanteans interesting in this is that they have a little of the gummy bear vibe of like <laughs> people know that they existed but they don't even really, they aren't really sure yeah, yeah they don't really remember their powers and what exactly like that they did and they're like discovering it I mean it's more in depth than this but I right, had right, that right. thought at some point but that's when the title comes up and i love that the title is in the atlantean language and then it turns to english that's how it did it in the uh making of like all the like the people of this yeah the people of atlantis the music of atlantis so this takes place in washington dc in 1914 and i did read a fact somewhere along the line that this is in that few group of films that take place in a date and time so Lady and the Tramp. Disney Yes, Disney movie. I'm sorry. Uh, so like Lady and the Tramp is an example. Dumbo is an example. I think there might be one or two more. Right. To where, you know, they give you a time and place, whereas a lot of them do not. And so you've got Milo talking and he's presenting, talking about this advanced civilization and they have this power source and, you know, it's about Atlantis and you can see he's he's giving this really impassioned speech and then it kind of zooms out and you realize he's practicing. Yeah, it's all like he he he's in the basement, so it's all like I love how he's designed it because there's a part where he has a pneumatic tube, but it comes out of like a tribal mask's mouth. Yeah. That I thought was really cool. Like but a he, bank teller tube. Yes. Yeah. Um but he's got uh it's different artifacts. I, and I stuff. want a bank all my life I've wanted uh, I really? don't know what I would want to do with it. Just like you know how we always like call each other if you're downstairs and I'm upstairs. Yeah. I just start sending you messages. <laughs> Voop. Dinner's ready. Voop. <laughs> but yeah, so it's all like different artifacts and things, and it, he's I, put top hats on them so that yeah. they look like members of the board. And Amanda, I don't know if you ever walked by when I did this in college, but uh, so I conducted. Amanda, did you conduct for chimers? At all? I think I did for one piece. Okay. Uh, Can we talk about what Chimers are? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to ask her first. But yeah, yeah, so Chimers was a group of adults with developmental disabilities, and they were these tone chimes. And so they were organized in a group, and we volunteered as helpers, as, you know, to play accompaniment with instruments. Like, there were lots of different ways music therapy students could help this group. And then if you were an intern – 
at the university, you kind of ran chimers along with the other interns. And so when I was practicing conducting, I would practice in the clinical space and I would spread out drums and chairs and instruments to be the chimers because I'm a very visual person. So I would be conducting, like singing it in my head and like the different chords and the music to nothing. And I feel like the robotters like walked by one day and were like, hey, what are you up to? Because it was late. I do it like, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night after my clinical stuff. I would like go to the university and go into the clinical space. And they like, I think were impressed, equally impressed, equally like thought it was hilarious. And we're just like, okay, whatever works for you. But it was like a really funny thing. Who were the Robachers real quick? Oh, they sorry. They were our professors. They're husband and wife duo. They're no longer at Shenandoah. They're at a university in Florida. Uh, but Suzanne Robacher and Michael Robacher, and they are delightful and amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so he's practicing this speech. We realize his grandfather was an explorer. He still has the military helmet his grandfather had. Like we see an older picture of him. And you realize he's got this really strong connection to him. And then we realize that the board has kind of <laughs> him. Can I say that? Probably here? not. But uh, she didn't say nearly as bad a word as you might think with me having bleeped that out. Um, they kind of have got passed him over what they do is they send him a note that says your 430 has been moved up to 330 it's and like it's about to be 430 yeah and then it says boop since you were not here we are denying your your, your proposal your proposal yeah and basically and he, they're trying to avoid him yeah they're trying to get out of there as soon as possible knowing he's gonna come up to them because we cut to them and they're all like oh if i hear the word atlantis one more time yeah i'm I think he says I'm going to jump in front of a bus, which is the one guy's like, like, I'll that. push yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> and we one of them, Hand Cork, was Cogsworth's voice. Yes. He interacts he, with that individual he, on the board the most out of all the He chases them around. He, like, jumps on the hood of his car. He's like, Mr. Hancourt. He's doing all that. And then he's he basically, you know, just is like, you'll never – he goes, I'll quit. And he's like, you'll – Throw away your life like you, like your grandfather. Yeah, did. lose it learn, like your grandfather. Yeah, because we see he looks at that picture with the hat, the pit hat, like mm-hmm. falling. I down. called it a helmet, but yeah, you're right. And uh, I think I think it's actually a pith helmet. I think you're correct. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, so we know he has a really good relationship with his fa- his grandfather, who was also an explorer. Yes, and the other thing we didn't mention is he's in the boiler room. Like, that's where his office, in quotes, is. And so somebody will call down. And when he was in the middle of practicing his speech, he had to, like, fix the boiler for them. And that Mm -hmm. plays later into the story. But he goes to his apartment. It's pitch black. It's dark. Yeah, he tells him to jump in the Potomac. He says, I'll jump in the Potomac. That's what it was. Yeah. But it's pitch black in his apartment. And then Helga appears as this femme fatale, as we mentioned earlier, the, in the dark. The, it's too much. This scene, I went, I do not like. Like, I started off Apparently, not liking it was this even character. more like she had fishnets. And apparently, like, her outfit, I think, was toned down well, to what it originally she was. She sits down and, like, her strap falls off her shoulder. And the music is just like. It's a Jessica Rabbit vibe, yes, but even more Jessica so, Rabbit. I feel like. It's too much. Like, I feel like they were really pushing this. And then they kind of just dropped that, which I'm glad they did, but I almost feel like. Because there's a scene later where he sees her in regular clothes. He's like, oh, it's you. And I don't know. I don't think it landed as well as they wanted it to. And it was just. Yeah, I, I think know. you're right that it was her luring him. Uh-huh. And kind of captivating him. And, and it sets up this facade of what we find out later is not really the truth. Uh, 
But yeah, it was a little intense. I like that Mr. Whitmore was not in on the plan, though. <laughs> Mr. Whitmore, though, Mr. Whitmore is, is a nut. great. Yes. He's fantastic. We realize that he knows his grandfather, knew his grandfather. They went to school together. They like were always in touch. He sees pictures of them together in this, basically, this mansion. And we meet Mr. Whitmore doing yoga. And He's basically tied himself into a pretzel. Yeah, and you hear all his bones crack. That's really John Mahoney's cracking his knuckles. Really? They, they showed that him doing it. Goes, a lot. Well, bones, at least the one like, goes, maybe they repeat I'm, it. Yeah, yeah, he goes, hi, I'm Mr. Whitmore. Crack. Like, he went, like, like into that. the microphone. <laughs> oh, wow. Did we pick that up? I hope we picked that I up. I hope we did, yeah. So, uh, there was something I wanted to mention about that. Yeah. Of, uh, so, like, how the woman was, like, telling milo like all of this stuff like before seeing mr whitmore like don't look him in the eye and like you know trying to like put fear into milo but like when you meet mr whitmore you're like oh you know just like it was a complete like contrast yeah i will say i think that's partly why i didn't like the like the beginning section because they're throwing a lot of stuff at us and then turning it but like i haven't settled into the world of this movie yet yeah i know the characters well enough i guess yeah or at least know milo well enough we're still getting to know milo but uh whitmore calls his grandfather crazy as a fruit bat he's got a lot of good (laughs) lines in here and kind of describing you know and he gives him this book and it's the journal he's been looking for. Mm -hmm. And that was what his presentation and his proposal was for the museum was, I think it's not in Ireland, it's in Iceland. And I know that it's there and that book will lead us to Atlantis. So Whitmore has hired a team to find the book. So it's one less thing that Milo kind of has to do at this point because now he has the book at the Shepherd's Journal. This is also the part where he says, I made a promise, I made a bet with your yes. grandfather that if he found it, I'd fund the petition and I'd kiss him square on the mouth. And boy, was I surprised when he found it. It's a picture <laughs> And of then there's like, a picture, a black and white like photo of them. Like, of them. Like, yeah. like, which is kind of funny. And so I love the giant fish tank. I feel like yeah. Whitmore maybe is also equally obsessed, even though he's playing it like it was his grandfather that's obsessed. Because he, not only is he funding the whole mission, but like, he seems like he's into the sea the in that way- moment. They talked about his character in the making of was he used to be one of those robber barons, which was like he owned like did a lot of money in trains or land mm. or, or or lumber or something. And now he was old enough where he could have been a philanthropist. So Got I it. think they just wanted him to be like, I'm so rich. I don't know what to do with and myself. just very eccentric. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that plays, I think, really well. He offers him up. He says, we have the submarine. We have... Oh, this is... Oh, okay. The, sorry. No, I was trying to interpret my note. He... It's clear they've been spying on him. And they didn't really go into this in detail. But he's like... He mentions a couple things that had happened that there's no way he would know that they have happened. So I'm wondering if Helga was spying on him. Uh, but he mentions a couple things in the museum that I'm like, he's been keeping a watchful eye on Milo for a while. That's interesting because I didn't think about it as spying so much as he's like, I have so much money, I like just ask. And they, you know, I knew who to oh, ask and who to I tell. Looked at it, as it didn't feel nefarious. Yeah, I looked at it as he's either like looking after Milo, like that was another Maybe, promise yeah, yeah, yeah. he made to his grandfather. But I did write like, how does he know all this? They never really establish it. He just kind of says it and then they move on. Mm-hmm. I just said the thing of like, I'm so powerful. I went ahead and you've already quit your job. I did that. Mm, I've done all this stuff for yeah. you because like I can just pay people to do all this stuff. Yeah. But this but then next we meet the crew and then this feels like a heist movie, I feel like when he's introducing yeah. the crew cuz we're looking at their dossiers. So we don't meet them in person yet. It's a picture of them and like a description of their name and what they do. So we're introduced to each member of the crew that way. 
And uh, that's when it cuts to the ship. And I will say he also in the fish tank shows him a model of the submarine. Mm-hmm. So he kind of shows him what he's going to do. And it cuts to the ship. And this is when uh, Milo has the improvisa- imp- improvised carrots line about the wise, carrots because he gets seasick. And then one of the first we meet is Cookie the cook. Well, he meet he meets Helga again. That's when he says. Oh yes, that's but right. But then he meets Cookie, and Cookie. The idea there was that he's very old. Like they like the idea that these people could have he like he could have been a part of the like expansion into the old west. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the things they said is Cookie uh, served Custer his last meal. Like oh, that was funny. a like background idea about yeah. that, that thing is he had been there and he was upset. He goes, maybe if he just fed him better, he would have done better. That he would day. have done better that day. Um, yeah. But yeah. I like Cookie. He's funny. Cookie was funny. He was like, he didn't want vegetables. He didn't want, he wanted, the four food groups were beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. Like those are <laughs> yeah. the only things they needed. There, There is a through line of a theme in this movie and, you know, I don't know if this is, like, cause, cause you mentioned co- cookie and last and like old west sort of like mentality, like this this theme of colonialism like throughout it that I've picked up on. Yeah, I mean they're definitely not. I don't know if colonialism is specific enough, but like these are people dealing with with archaeology, and there's like a lot of like rethinking of that whole academia now of as like. There was a lot of people who were like, "Oh, we went to these cultures, we stole a bunch of their stuff, and we sold it to museums." Mm-hmm. And what? And that, at one that... point, Rorick says that he yeah, goes, yeah. "How are you any different from me?" Talking about Milo, like you're yeah, studying yeah. all these things that have been taken, and that's all I'm doing. I'm just benefiting from it, money wise. But you're benefiting from it in another way. Well, I think the other idea is they're benefiting from it money wise. It's just yeah, it's just yeah, museum, it's, it's but, just different. But it's yeah. people re looking at like Indiana Jones and him going and mm-hmm. doing that sort of thing and the, the the bad things. But this is like, I I do think they address it in some interesting ways. Like we're right on the cusp of actually like knowing that it's bad because there's a part where Vinny says like we never hurt anybody before. Well, at least no one we ever knew. Like mm-hmm. like you know like yeah. they address it a little bit, but I think we're getting close to that. But yeah, it's the same thing where it's like. Cookie says some stuff that I feel like he's right right on the cusp of being problematic. He's mm-hmm. like, ghost of Jefferson Davis and yeah, things right. like that. Where I'm like, oh, so Cookie fought for the Confederacy right. is what I'm like, getting then, out of this. And then okay. like, like meeting the Atlanteans when they had their... Um their shield, their mask, like shields on, like... Um, mm-hmm. so he said something that like... Oh, what this is what happened when we go to the Dakotas, and you just have to yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because it's a quick comment, but yeah, it definitely is there. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for mentioning that because I mean, it is kind. Of, you're right. It is a through line. I think his character, I feel like, has some of the more like problematic yeah, lines yeah, yeah. when it comes because to that. I think he's. <laughs> I think he fought for the Confederacy. Yeah. <laughs> I love Cookie. He might be my favorite character. He's though. pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. We meet Commander Rourke here, and that's where we find out he led the exhibition to find the journal, and mm-hmm. the submarine descends, and this is where you were talking about how that was a really hard shot to do, and the Tonys, so I figured we'd talk about that here. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of like red shirts for you Star Trek fans, like <laughs> just just random people who are there to be destroyed in battles. 
and and help out and basically side characters, right? Yeah. They're stormtroopers, people that you're not really attached to if something happens to them. I feel um, like, yeah. So they the, most of them in a lot of shots are CG, but they have the the same system we talked about this in Hunchback, where they have like different hats or different mustaches and facial hair, so you can kind of make like some some of them real fast. So the shot where they're descending in the submarine and it turns is mostly CG in a lot of different parts there. Even the Tonys, they call them the Tonys. Um, the the group like they were all I guess they were all named Tony, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a sh- so the Tony's walking around inside or CG, but then Milo is hand animated, but like it's hard to animate like a panoramic a, a spin yeah. around of a of a character to see them kind of rotate any amount, mm-hmm. like they kind of turn fast and you watch that and it's like. You know, we I think we talked about in the Peanuts episode. They're looking right. They look left. Like they had like three poses. Yeah, it was forward, left, and right. So like they do that a lot in two D, but it's hard when you do this like slow. And it does feel rotation. like a panoramic shot you'd see in like Hunt for Red October or in a live action. Panoramic I, is long. Oh, sorry, like, so I'm saying the wrong thing. I'm thinking like a three sixty. Yeah, like a three sixty. So that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just using the wrong term. That's okay. But um, uh, I but, I feel like it it feels similar to those action movies. I think they got they did that very well throughout this film. Speaking of panoramic, though, this movie was drawn in widescreen, which was kind of a new big thing. Hmm. Um, They did it, I think, way back on, like, Lady and the Tramp, but this was a much wider format than they had done typically, and they were worried at first about if that was going to raise costs, but they pointed out, like, they did some math thing. I can't remember. It was basically, like, they actually had it could draw it slower, smaller, and then it would scale up. They didn't have to draw it bigger. Mm. But anyway, as yeah. you notice that it's 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 in widescreen, and that's kind of like they wanted to do it because to to pay homage to the movies they were aping, Raiders, Star Wars, all that yeah. other stuff. Yeah. Speaking of, I'm surprised there wasn't a Wilhelm scream, or else like maybe there was. Oh, oh yeah, good point. I yeah, I don't know either. that there was, but because usually even if we don't hear it, we'll come across a fact yeah. that mentions it. So yeah, that's IMDb a good point. IMDb loves to put in like, they there's do. a Wilhelm scream yeah, in yeah. this movie. Uh, but then next up we meet Moliere, who I thought was bunking with Milo, but I guess Milo was there to see the doctor, was there to see Sweet. So I, I don't I really know. Yeah, together, were they yeah. bunking together? But um. He sits on his dirt, and so we find out that Moliere is pretty eccentric, and he is obsessed with dirt and very knowledgeable, but it's very much like that's all he cares about. I have a hot take, because I think this is a very beloved character. He's kind of a creep. I did not care for him. Yeah, he's kind of a creep. He's a creep to the women. Like when he wants- I didn't notice that. A little bit of that when Mm -hmm. he- when they're like, who should go with Kida? He's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he like his eyes get wide. Yes. And yeah, I I wasn't super attached to him as a character. I could really take or leave him. I mean, he is the digger, which helps out in certain moments. But I I don't know. I almost feel like they went too over the top with yes. his, yeah. his That's character traits. It was, it was too cartoonish. Like, I was just like, okay. Yeah. If I had to cut anyone, he would be at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say, for the most part, I liked the rest of the crew, the main crew. Because uh, we meet Sweet next. Mm-hmm. I really liked Sweet. 
the medical officer. I liked him a lot. I don't know how you guys felt about him. I loved oh, him. Yeah. I thought he was very cool. Yeah. They, they apparently wanted him to move really fast, even though he was a big guy, mm. because that was just an interesting thing. We forgot about Vinny. He met Vinny before he got on the Oh, submarine. he did? I yes. must have not written that down. So Vinny, you're going to really like, because Vinny, they wanted to study. If you notice- I loved Vinny. He yeah. sits, he sta- he's pretty still, but he moves a lot with his hands. And the reason they come up with that is because they watched The Godfather. They watched a lot of Italian yeah. broad actors. They said Italians always talk with their hands. They do. Uh, I can attest boop. to that. <laughs> was it? What was it? You thought you were really worried I was going to do this in Italy and get us yelled at? Yeah, you do this with your hand to like make fun of my family and me. And then you would like say a bunch of gibberish. And then I was like, you can't do that when we go over there. Like, that's not okay. And listeners, he didn't. Everything was great. Yeah, but so that was the big thing with him. And then the other thing I think I mentioned off mic was all most of his lines were improv Because he would come in. Let me find the actor. It was an actor who does Father Guido Sarducci from uh, Saturday Night Live. He just he has the best like like dumb like throwaway jokes. I just, like, yeah, they just are very it. good, and his delivery is really good. Also, the design of him—he's got almost like a bowl haircut, but it's short. So mm-hmm. like it's like a short bowl. It's you know what I mean. Like the way like I don't know. I liked his design a lot. He's always got a match, an unlit match in his mouth, because he's like the explosives guy. So he's he's the one who's. Got all the firepower and the sticks of dynamite and everything. Don Novello. Okay. Yeah, he was fantastic. And then this is where Milo meets the rest of the team. He meets the entire team here. So we meet, I think it is Audrey. I have her name written down later. I don't know if you want to look it up so Mm -hmm. we get it right. Uh, But I liked Audrey a lot. We also meet Packard, who is my absolute favorite. She's this old woman who always has a cigarette. She is the chain smoker. I think you could have gotten rid of that cigarette and it would have been fine. I think so too, because she would have still had that voice. Because it's a lot of smoking. It is a lot of smoking. It is a lot. Uh, probably the most smoking we've ever seen in a Disney film, I would think, because she, outside of like when they're shoving cigars into in the Pinocchio. kids' mouth in Pinocchio, yeah, the, I, the, the, the the most smoking I've seen in like thirty years of Disney. Yes, yeah, because she's constantly has a cigarette, and you even see the butts of cigarettes. Like she puts out, like it becomes like a th- part of her land, mm-hmm. the landscape of her. But she is. What would you call her? It's not an announcer. Oh, she's a communications expert. Thank you. Yeah. yeah she's I the knew one, there was she's, a name. She's getting people connected. So she's kind of like, the they, they wanted her to be like Lily Tomlin. If you do remember Lily Tomlin's phone operator character, if you're a million years old, like I am, and you watch <laughs> laughing with your parents made you watch laughing. Um, she used to be like, one ringy dingy, two Does anybody uh, know what I'm talking about? I know laughing, but I don't know the character. Yeah, right. So you'll have to post okay. something on well, Facebook. I love Lily it. Tomlin, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was supposed to be based on that. Um, she does communications. She's I love her. Just kind of in the rest of the movie. She's, and she's an older a woman. Addition. She's like, she's strong and feisty in her own way. I love, she's having this conversation with, I think the woman's name is Margie. Yeah. And at first nothing major is happening, right? She's talking to Margie. Then she's like connecting people, telling them what's going on. But then the Leviathan shows up and like everything kind of goes crazy, right? It attacks yeah. the ship. And as that's all happening, she's still talking to Margie and she's like, Margie, I think if he took his suitcase, he left. Like, she's just got some good lines, like, talking to Margie. I feel like we may have skipped over Rorik a little bit. Do we want to talk about your first impressions on Rorik? Yeah. I Because you I were talk- immediately attracted to the well, velvet the I love, tones of James Garner. I love James Garner. But later on, we see his twist. We see his, where Milo 
mm-hmm. realizes it's not what he thought. And it feels very similar if anyone has seen Maverick, any Maverick fans out there. There's a twist when he's on the ferry boat, when he takes the money, and then there's even another... Maverick, there's several twists. Yes. But at that point in Maverick... Maverick refuses to end. <laughs> yes. But in that point in Maverick, on the ferry boat, it felt very... It was reminiscent of that to well, me. That happens later on. He, but I like him as a character. He does heel turns, but he stays this kind of jovial old man, or kind of a little cranky. Yeah. But he doesn't do much of a character. He's not like... It's not like Hans, who where he's like... No one will love you. And he turns to a bag yes. and he just goes, well, we're going to do like Maverick. He goes, well, this is such a lot of money. I think I'm just going to take it. Like the way he yeah. just says it, like just folksy and down and, and, and well, and we don't fact. really realize that he's the bad guy. We get until, some ideas a little later, but here he just seems like, yeah, a dude. yeah, we don't really get a very crystal clear moment until they realize there are people in Atlantis and Helga turns to him and says, this changes everything. This goes, changes this everything. Change yeah, and he's like, this changes nothing. So that happens a little bit later on. But what did you think about the Leviathan attack and the submarine? Did you enjoy it? I mean, again, I don't want to like describe it beat for beat because there's a lot that happens here. But essentially, the submarine gets destroyed, but they all escape in these like pods, I these think, like smaller ships. What, what did you think, Amanda? I don't know if it was completely necessary. I don't know if it, like how much of it drove the plot because like 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 there's still so much of you know deep exploration that was happening after that that it just and so many other barriers that that one didn't seem to and like they had all the equipment they needed at every point along the way so it wasn't like we were like making our characters it didn't feel like it was bringing the group together because that happens later. I think mm-hmm. you see the group each do their individual jobs in this yeah. moment, but you see that later as well. So I don't think a- you see it during the attack so much because it's like Moliere and Vinny. Well, Audrey's jump- in the boiler room. Yeah, there's that, I guess. But like, there's way better scenes of that. Like, that's her just closing the door and running away. Yeah, I agree. I think they showcase their talents much better later on. Uh-huh. And I think I would agree with you, Amanda. I mean, when they're talking about like what to cut. When they were trying to get yeah. this down, because it is a longer movie, I think you could have. I think the submarine design is really cool, and yeah. I think you have to get them underwater somehow. So I think still using that submarine, but not necessarily like doing that big in depth battle. Like maybe it crashes, maybe they hit something, maybe they find what they need to find, and then those other pods break off, and then they can well, like keep going. I think the submarine design is cool. I think the Leviathan's just super busy. Uh-huh. Like I didn't get it again. This is when we're talking about the darker parts of the movie. Like I yeah. didn't get a good idea of what it was and it never comes back. Like, it's and just... you realize it is a machine because I guess Milo gets an up close version. He's at the window. He gets slammed against the window. And that's yeah. one of the first times you realize besides in the beginning and the opening that these are machines, not necessarily animals. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I don't but, know. Yeah, like, no, I'm not. I could have lost this whole thing, and they just I go agree. and they find the the. It starts from when they all are like, "Okay, unpack everything, let's go." When they're in the like, yeah, I think you needed some underwater exploration just because like there's so many myths around like how you get to Atlantis. Mm-hmm. But I think it could have been done differently and much shorter. Mm-hmm. But I do think you need some of the underwater there, but. They wind up finding this air pocket. So Milo reads the book and basically describes it's like a a sink and a drain. Grease, it's a grease, grease trap, trap. Yeah. In, the, in the drain uh, with a sink. And so they find this air pocket and they take a moment here to light a candle for all those they've lost. And I think that's a very endearing moment for Rourke. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like 
this facade. And I do think he really cares about his crew. I think he cares about money the most. But I do think, you know, it seems like he's worked with these people for many exhibitions. The other thing I wanted to mention before they see the Leviathan, which this, I think this should have stayed in there, but then they could have cut out the Leviathan scene, is when they see the ship and like bone graveyard and they see ships from every era. So they realize other people, like many, many people have come to explore, but this is as far as they've gotten. I I do think there's, yeah, that is kind of an important moment. I was just going to say, I'd almost rather they get attacked by like a squid or something. Mm -hmm. Like Like something that actually exists. Yeah. Doesn't have to actually exist, but doesn't have to be a, 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 like again. We learn like even the machines they show in Atlantis later are more like stone like, and this thing is so many parts that it looks. Yeah, no, I get that. It just looks like they went. We can do all this. If it's that era of CG where it's like we can do all these things on CG, so let's just add tentacles just and claws it. and yeah. spikes and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know. So now we kind of go into this montage, and then every once in a while the montage pauses for like a moment or two, but it's them trying to navigate through like this sink trap maze to find the city. And it's very clear that no one likes Milo. They like establish that early on. And you see that here in lots of different ways, them making fun of him or, you know, he doesn't know how to drive. And so they wind up towing the truck he's supposed to drive. Mm -hmm. And so there are all these moments where we kind of see that. And he's very much a loner. And uh, when they get to what they think is the entrance, they find this glowing lantern, what looks like a glowing lantern. And they decide to camp there for the night. And when they make camp, they, you know, the the bulk of the team is like, oh, we've been pretty tough on him. And this is where we find out backstories of everyone. And I really liked this scene a lot. I Mm -hmm. think you... You get attached to the characters, learning more about them, well, and Milo helps Audrey like fix something because it's a oh, boiler. Oh, that's right, I forgot about that. And he yes, goes, yes. "Yeah, he goes. Oh, I when, know how to fix when boilers." When Molière was digging, right? Yeah. So that kind of is when she goes, "Hey, we've been hard on this guy." Yes. She brings him into the Thank group, you. and they start talking like. Sweet's father was a, a, a rough rider. His mother was a Native American, and then mm-hmm. he was at he was, or I don't think it was a, he, he got conscripted into like battle or, or a skirmish so he was like a battlefield doc while he was learning yeah and we find out audrey like her father always wanted sons you know to be a boxer <laughs> and to be a mechanic she's the mechanic and her sister is like up for the title yeah so, so we find out fun. that about her we find out Vinny's family owned a flower shop and the then the laundry mat next door exploded and he like has always been ex- obsessed with explosions we find out that milo Hasn't done any camping since with his grandfather. You know, he's having trouble with his tent. And we find out his parents died early. So his grandfather was really his parental yeah. figure. Uh, and so then we, we find, find out, out as well. Packard sleeps in the nude. Yes, I love Packard <laughs> so much. I want to cosplay as her like that. Or you, just her in like, general. That's, like, you just want to cosplay as like the far side version of a housewife. <laughs> For, like, I guess that wanna, moment is that. Yeah. You, oh, it is, I actually like you know Packard with it's, the headset and that she, like her outfit for the majority of the film. Oh, she's got that like film. doughboy. Like, yeah, that helmet. helmet. Yeah. yeah. I think it would be fun to cosplay as her. You, but you, you've already cosplayed as that, like without the face mask when you were the, you were, uh, the the wife from Hocus Pocus with all the rollers in her hair and everything. <laughs> I I'm drawn to a certain character. What can I say? I have so much to look forward to. <laughs> uh, so yes, we find out about each one of them, and I I like this moment a lot. And 
we see these creatures. We talked about this. They appear as creatures. We find out they're the Atlanteans that have kind of been following them mm. and keeping track of them throughout their journey. And Milo goes to go to the bathroom. He's got like a shovel and a shovel roll of toilet and a, paper. Yeah, a roll of toilet paper and like unbuckles his pants. His pants are now. Yeah. Like- <laughs> when all these flyer fireflies that were in the lantern descend on him and they start lighting things on fire. So their whole camp is being lit on fire. And uh, everyone's trying to get away. And again, this is another very kind of intense scene. And then Milo is greeted by the Atlanteans and it's Kida. And she winds up removing the mask. But I agree. I really like the design of them. Like I, that. I like the design of the Atlanteans regardless. I, I like, yeah, I like the Atlanteans. They're like um, blue, like tattoos and stuff. They talk about the yeah. tattoos later. We'll get to that. Things. That was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But like Kita had such a cool look with and without the uh, mask. Yes, agreed. Like and- I like that their eyes, if you watched them when they're in the masks, the mask's eyes change just a little bit to and like... And their mouths light up. The mouth is the glowing well, part. Well, they're both lit up, yeah. but like they're... It's kind of like Spider-Man's eyes in the new one or Deadpool's eyes. Oh, when they move, Where yeah. like in Deadpool's eyes, they never explain why his eyes can do this and mm-hmm. in the mask, but they're doing that just a little bit to give a little bit of emotion. Yeah. And so Milo was cut. Milo is cut on his chest and this is where we find out that the crystals can heal. And Kida heals him with the crystal. And then they run away. He runs after them. And then the rest of the crew runs after Milo. And then they see like the over, the, the, this big, like, what's it called on a highway where it's a scenic like overpass? Like an overpass, overlook. Yeah. overlook. It's an overlook of Atlantis. Atlantis. And Atlantis is like, it looks like it's, fl- it's like on something that's generating water and then like falling off the It looks the like sides. it's floating. Yeah. yeah, it looks like, it looks like the flat earth. Mm-hmm. Like if anyone, where it's just water's coming off the sides. Yeah. But this is where he attempts to speak back and where we hear multiple languages. Mm-hmm. We find out they can speak French, they can speak Spanish, you know, and then eventually they speak English. And Yeah, they really kind of hand wave that because they're like, yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's the language, all their languages are derived. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I know Spanish. I don't know. I know a little bit of Italian. Like she's just like perfect English. No problem. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. That moment happens, and then this is where you finally realize something fishy is going on. This is when Helga turns yes. to Rorik, what we mentioned earlier about there are people living here, and this changes, basically changes our plan. And the, it's just like a beat, and then yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't hear anything else about it. They bring her, but it's interesting because it informs Rorik's, like, your interpretation of Rorik's, of, of Garner's um, performance from then, because he does that, that thing to the to the king where he's like, why? Because the king doesn't want him to stay there. Yeah, the daughter, uh, Kida, is like, oh my gosh, you have to meet my father. So she brings everybody, because uh, Milo and the team. Yeah, because they think their culture is dying and she's like, they can help us. And she's talking to her father in Atlantean and he's like, they can't stay here. And then And Rorik, the father's voice is Spock. Leonard Nimoy. Yes, uh-huh. so I want to mention Did a that. really great job. And then uh, Rorik is like... Um, trying to smooth talk him. Trying to smooth He's like, can't we stay? You know, we're just scientists. We're men of knowledge. And I feel like... Had you not heard that thing before, this would just seem like him kind of trying to sweet talk him. Mm-hmm. But it really gives it like a sinister bend. Yeah. Because of, of that of moment that, that yeah. happened just before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gives off McLeach vibes to me uh, from Rescuers a little bit. In that he's kind of, I bet they're the same age. Yeah. Yeah. And their build is similar, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but this is, as you mentioned, 
we're realizing their way of life is dying. And then you talked about how some of the Bluth guys worked on this and you were wondering if they worked on his yeah. father or they did work on his father. What well, did you... Well, I know, I believe his name was uh, Mike Pomeroy. I'll double check. Um, but the, he worked on Milo and he was a Bluth guy. And there's definitely shots in here where I went, oh, that looks... Milo looks... It has that kind of... A little more expressive Bluthian animation. Mm-hmm. Um, just to double check. Was John Pomeroy. Um, the guy who worked on The King was Michael Sedano or Cadeno. Um, so I'll have to look up him, but I thought he looked like Nicodemus, a lot like Nicodemus I from agree. Secret of Nim. Yeah. They decide, the team decides, it's really Rourke decides that someone needs to be with Kida. Someone needs to talk with Kida. This is kind of where uh, Moliere has kind of a creep vibe a little mm. bit kind of going after her and well he liked her because she could speak french yes Mm -hmm. and so they decide on milo and also i think because they want to get milo out of the way obviously it's them like building on their plan somebody needs to like build the rapport with kita it makes the most sense that it should be milo so they both are so excited because they have so many questions for one another and i like this scene a lot too where they kind of go question for question. And this is when he realizes she's between 8,500 and 8,800 <laughs> years old. Which they kind of just say that they've been all give, given long life. Is it just the, the monarchy here? Or is I'm not it sure, but people? I was wondering because he, spoiler listeners, he stays put when everybody else leaves. He stays in Atlantis. And I was like, well, does that mean now that he'll live as long as them or no? Mm. Well, I mean, that's one of the things that is is dealt with in uh, Lord of the Rings when... Uh, oh, oh God, I can't remember Liv Tyler's name. Dang it, I was going to really nerd out. That's unfortunate, man. You're really showing Help me out, weakness nerd. there. Amanda, you know this. No, I you don't. You're not a Lord of the Rings person? I, I like him. I don't. Arwen? I, Is it Arwen? I don't know their names. I can tell you it's that. It's Liv Tyler and Aragorn. I've watched the movies. I enjoy the movies, but not enough to remember anyone's right, name. Cut this off. Oh, I mean, like, okay. also, the female characters in Lord of the Rings are all, like, they're basically non-characters <laughs> anyway, but... Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Good point. Good point. Uh, So we also find out here she can't read Atlantean. That's not something that she can do. Well, no one can. And it's been lost to time. So that's when I had the the gummy bear (laughs) thought was right here. And so uh, we won't, you know, we find that out. He's interpreting things with her, showing her how to use things. She has this vehicle. She's never been able to get it to work. And you know, you have to put the crystal in and turn it a certain way. He's basically reading, like, the instruction manuals, like, printed on the thing, which I thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we see the marketplace. We kind of learn a little bit more about Atlantean's way of life. And this is where we see the tattoos and cookie <laughs> shows that he That's has That's nothing. 30... I got all 38 states. Look. Yeah. And then he pulls And he out. makes Rhode Island dance. Let me see make a dance, baby. And he's, like, slapping yeah. his belly. <laughs> and Audrey's just, like, grossed out. It's, <laughs> it's so a good, good moment. But then they all eat together, which I thought was kind of cool. They all eat, like, the team eats together with the Atlanteans, Mm. with Kida. And then this is when all the Tonys show up in guns and gas masks. Well, it shows them doing something. And then, yeah, and then she takes Milo down to To swim swim and to read some some stuff. The mural. The mural. And this is when we learn Milo is a leg man. 
because <laughs> she's been walking around with like a midriff this whole time and her shoulders out and you know yeah. all that but she's got kind of a, 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 a what's it called a sur- 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 sarong sarong wrap around yeah, her yeah sure we'll go and back. then as soon as she's like he, he like starts losing it when she reveals she's wearing like a bikini bottom and her legs are out and I'm like oh Milo must be a leg man <laughs> And then when he jumps in with his boxers and they all like the air. I love that so much much because that's so relatable. And I never I rarely see any movie like Tarzan when Jane jumps into the water in her dress. Oh, yeah. And I love that part too. Yeah. yeah. It's very similar. I love it. It's a funny joke. (laughs) It is. Yeah. So he swims down and I kept thinking I was like, how could he hold his breath for that long? But they do have him go back up and get more air and then go back under. Uh, but he he reads the complete history and this power keeping source, you know, it's keeping everything alive. You know, they thought it was electricity. She thought it was this crystal. Yes. Like everyone misinterpreted what exactly this energy is. And he starts talking about how it's so weird. Why isn't any of this in the book? And he's like, oh, the missing page. And this is when we realize Rorick, Rorick has ripped out page. that missing yeah. page. And this is when everyone turns against Milo. They, and it's interesting Rourke because... Rourke greets him when they come out of the water yeah. and then kind of brings him to everybody Everybody else. else has guns, but like, you know, you can tell most of them seem just kind of like out of character with them. Yeah, and some of them do seem... They seem more uncomfortable later, but here yes. you can tell that they're not feeling 100% about it. The main team members. Yes. Well, remind me to point out something about Sweet later after the next big scene with Sweet. Okay. So they they go in and they kind of raid the king's chambers. And yeah, they like, attack the king. They're Yeah, he punches them, which eventually yeah. kills them. I guess, I, I don't know, this sounds really awful, but like if you punch an old man, can you kill him? I mean, okay. yeah, depending on, it's like when, when someone who's older falls and breaks a hip, Mm. But sometimes that, like, they don't recover from that because it's a pretty traumatic event and your skin's so thin and there's a lot of, like, physical things that make it more difficult. But um, He's trying, they're trying to figure out where it is and they figure out, like, it's... Because it says something about the eye of the king. So he keeps thinking it's the king, it's somewhere in the palace, and then he sits on the king's throne. And then he kind of sees where they need to go. And they take Helga, Milo... Kida and Rorik. So just the four mm-hmm. of them go and they walk to the water and then they go underground. This is where everyone really, this is a big shoulder movie at this point. I feel like everyone's wearing tank tops at yeah. this point. Like, If you can't tell listeners, Ryan's a shoulder man. I'm big, I'm, <laughs> I like shoulders. Tara's got some I good shoulders. I wasn't going to say it, but then you specifically mentioned it. I'm just it, saying, so. like every, at this point, everyone's wearing his shoulders. Are like Rorik's even an older gentleman, but he's got some good shoulders. Yeah, yeah no. Tara, when she was looking at when when they were dresses. they were taking wedding dresses, I kept pulling the people she was going to the side. I'm like, convince her she wants to go. She wants to go shoulderless. She wants her shoulders. She wants her shoulders because she'll out. think she'll want to be modest, Strap, uh, not strapless, strapless. Um, sleeveless, sleeveless. I go like, oh, right tell her she wants to go sleeveless because I think and she's going to want to be so you're modest. Welcome. Yeah, look and you look. <laughs> dynamite all right so uh they go underground and they find the light source and this is when kita sees the kings of the past they're these giant stone kind of yeah very cool of each king i really like the design and the lore of this and so she immediately starts what i presume is praying um Mm -hmm. or just talking to the kings you know paying honor and tribute to them and all of a sudden, when she gets up, she's mesmerized like her mother. She's mm-hmm. kind of transfixed like her mother was in the beginning. And she winds up walking on water. 
She walks across the water, goes to the light source, and the light source lifts her up. So they're all watching this happen. And now she basically becomes the crystal. She becomes the giant ball of light. That winds up going yeah. away and it becomes just her. And, and she's this like very this translucent design. Glowing I, blue. I liked the animation they cool. did with that. Yeah. So they walk and her she back. she floats back down. Which is weird because then it's like, okay, because they say like later the crystal chooses people in times of... of of distress. Of distress. Yeah. But like she just walks right into that thing and they just build a, they just put her in that like thing. I was like, well, why did, if she it knew it was in distress, why did but she, she then? she said when she was going up there and she said something in Atlantean, didn't it translate to everything's going to be all right, Milo? Yeah, something I like that. But and then so. he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't tell Rorik about well, it. So well, we had a little bit of a hard time sometimes because what Disney Plus subtitles like to do is they would put the subtitle for the Atlantean and then on top of it, so you couldn't read what it said, it would say speaking Atlantean. And I'm yeah, like, thanks yeah. for nothing, <laughs> Disney Plus. Yeah, that does not help us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they wind up trapping her in this like metal container. To take her back to get the most money for her. Audrey builds it around her and then Milo. That's when they they starts guilt tripping everybody. Yeah, guilt tripping yeah. it. Well, guilt tripping sounds like it wasn't true. That you true. know, guilt yeah. tripping sounds like, you know, what my sister does if I don't come for Thanksgiving that Got year. Got it, good point. <laughs> he's making them he's really trying to to force perspective to be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. okay, you're going to kill this whole civilization so you can start a mechanic shop with your dad. Or you're going to do this, so whatever. Like, that's cool. All and right. I, this is what I wanted to point out. You'll notice Sweet is not in that. Doc Sweet is back there taking care of the, the Atlantean king. So he had already made the decision, like, oh, I'm not going with you. Oh, I got to take care of this guy. That do no harm. Like sweet. sweet is awesome. Yeah. Sweet do is no low harm. key. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Yeah. See, that makes me like Sweet even more. I really like Sweet, but I did not catch that. Because I kept great. watching that scene, and I'm like, someone's not here, and I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out who it was, and then they cut back to this, yeah. and Sweet was taking care of him. I was like, you, all That's right, really Doc. Great. So they wind up leaving Milo behind. And they, I noticed something here, but they never go back to it. When Rorik steps on the picture of his grandfather, there's a picture underneath a picture. Like Milo picks a page out from under the picture. Did he? Yeah. I thought that's what it. I thought that's what it looked like. But maybe I, he picked up the picture. I think he was just picking up the picture. But I was like, but the way again. it was done, I was like, oh, is there like a mystery? We're we gonna find out. Like his yeah. grandfather had been to Atlantis before. That and goes they knew back him. to that goes back to this movie. I think needed one more like pass of yeah. like edits. You know, mm-hmm. I think we got to this long moment, movie because we but... started so long, but we needed. Yeah. You know, like, and we got to 96, and there were little mm. things I was like, this never paid off. But yeah. yeah, and so I was, like, waiting for that moment that never happened. And again, it could be I just mis- misviewed yeah. it, but it looked like he was pulling something out. So they all come back to Milo's side, except for Helga Well, and Audrey's the first one. Audrey's so the first Audrey's one. the first one to go back to him, and then one by one, they all stay behind. Yes. And I like that, the way they did that where... Um, Rorik looks at them all in the rearview mirror. I love when Disney does stuff like that. Oh, like from 101 Dalmatians? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just love when they, they do little things like that. I thought that that was Well, that's cool like a moment. good thing. He's like there in his past. He's, yeah. he's no longer part of this team. He is yeah. now on his own. So he winds up leaving with Helga and I guess whoever of the Tonys are left. <laughs> and uh, Tonys 28 through 43. Yeah, yeah. And so as they leave with her, the water stops. And the crystals start to go out. And they wind up 
blowing the bridge that connects yeah. to get them out of Atlantis and kind of back through the volcano, which we didn't mention. There's a dormant volcano. It kind of becomes important. Yeah, we should. So they, they go and they go, if, if there's a big explosion, this volcano will go off. And it's like, well, we have to drill through the top to get out of here. So now you know. So that, now we're all cut up. Yeah, we're cut up. <laughs> so we go back to the father who is very, very sick. And it's pretty clear he's not going to make it. And he's like, my daughter's been chosen. And this is where he we, he kind of explains yeah. how the crystal chooses a host to protect the people. Mm-hmm. And it has a consciousness. And the king gives his crystal to Milo and says, you need to save my daughter because if you don't, She's going to be bound to it he gives forever. Him, he gives him the keys to the car. Basically, so he yeah. throws him the keys to the vet. Or the keys to the castle, essentially. Well, no, literally the cars. That's oh, yeah, he that's, goes, right. Like, that's right. He goes and starts the cars. So, and I love all the Atlanteans. Like, the first time we've had a non-King or Kita Atlantean war, uh, voice is when he goes. Because he, he runs out after that. He starts showing everyone how to turn on all the, mm-hmm. the fish plane things. Yeah. And all the Atlanteans are like, how'd you do? Like, they're super like, they're like, oh, yeah, you just do this. And they're like... Oh man, like it's just yeah, awesome kind of doing this like, this whole time. We can save the day, but also cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> so now, there's all these things just laying around. We can ride around yeah. now. Well, and I liked that piece of world building that yeah. all the things that look like ruins have a dual purpose. They then become something else. Yes, and yes, we see yes, this yes. later on with the guardians that kind of come yeah, out of the yeah. water. Uh, I, I really then, like that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I really like that about Milo as a character too, where it's like, you know, uh, Versus Rorik, who is obviously like trying to colonial, like appropriate, whereas like Milo right. is actually like trying to like help them out, like you know, just like appreciate the culture and just sort of like you know, well, yeah, and really back. save the culture instead yeah. of yeah. like making it become extinct, well, right? It goes yeah. back to one of the greatest storytelling. Here we go. What am I going to say? I don't know, but when you get a certain like sound in your voice, then I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm just saying it. it's technology versus people who are more in tune with the culture and, and, and mysticism of the land. Yeah. Return of the Jedi. It's the Empire <laughs> versus the Ewoks. It would have been... It's also Avatar. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Ryan. Maybe so. I should see Avatar. <laughs> um, can we back up one second and talk about sure. the relationship between Milo and Kida? Speaking yeah, of kind of like... I would, I would love to do that. Because... We're... Coming towards the end. We are. I love it, but I was trying to key, on, key in on what I liked the most. She was just so confident and like, you're going to save this. But she was like, she was very strong, but she wasn't that typical like, you know, we found out Joss Whedon had a pass on the storytelling, but I feel like there's a Joss Whedon female at one point was just like, if we let the character kick butt, she equals strong female, which was a great move at that time. Yeah. But like also like. There are, you know, there are many faceted uh, parts of, of, there are many facets to a woman. Here, let me mm. explain to you too. Let me mm-hmm. mansplain you too. Let me explain <laughs> to you a woman real quick. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm saying like, it's not just like, there's, there's, there's so it's many different one types thing of that strong makes her, woman. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's the same thing we talk about how Cinderella is a strong woman and is not physically imposing, is not like this. She's just, her kindness is what makes her strong. Yeah. This is one who does have that physical aspect to her, but it's like. She also has an aura about her. Mm-hmm. There's just something they made her. Yeah, she's otherworldly, but that's not what I mean. There's just this, like, you feel calmness and peace, I feel yes. like, around her. And I feel like that is hard to do in an animated... It's reassuring. It's, I feel like that's hard to do in an animated character, well, more so than in, like, a live-action film. I think right? a lot of it is is the art, but the, she's performed by Cree Summers, who's a Native American. And I think she's got mixed heritage, but I know 
She's also ironically, not ironically, but Cree. She's part. She's come part of the Cree Indian Cree tribe. Um, but like, I thought she did such a good job with the yeah. voice performance. But like, Agreed. them together was like they were both very excited <laughs> and yes. like feeding off each other's energy, and they didn't even have. There wasn't that like from minute one they were into each other. Maybe not in love, uh-huh. but they were. It wasn't the thing where it's like. I am a warrior woman and you have, you're an invader and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you don't understand. Like there was no, there's no conflict no with them conflict. romantically. It was just them yeah. developing. They both like, he was like, I want to learn more about your culture. And she's like, well, I want to learn about my culture too. And you can help me. And it was very, from minute one, it was all very pro. Like mm-hmm. there was all very, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking Sympatico. for. Sympatico? Yeah. Like they were, they were, they were into each other before they were like into each other. It wasn't well, like. Well, and even at the end, we never see them kiss, but like when she comes back down and we'll oh, talk we about this in a minute. Yeah. We? But we'll talk about this in a minute. But when she comes back down and like comes back to her original form, she embraces, they hug, but they mm-hmm. don't kiss. And the end, they hold hands. And I actually really like that. I don't think you need it. Them to be more romantically involved than that. But but they were, you guys, was it just me, my reading that they were romantic? Oh, I think so. He was into her. Like, he was nervous, like, when she was, I think they liked each other. the second they got some time alone, he let her wrap her legs around him. Oh, my God, stop. Like, like Xenia on a top from GoldenEye. Uh, Isn't this a children's, isn't this a a family-friendly podcast? Uh, Hey, kids, your mom probably wraps her legs around your dad sometimes. My God! This Maybe took your a dad turn. wraps his legs around your this mom. This took you don't a know. turn. Oh a little squeeze. God. All right. Okay. What's, What's happening? happening? <laughs> What's happening? Um, but no, I yeah, I think he, he when he goes to KFC, he orders a bucket of drumsticks. That's Brian. Oh, you're gonna have to bleep that out. Although everyone knows our last names because they're on the Facebook page. But uh, yeah, I I think there's a romanticism there, but I don't think it's forced, and I don't think. They have to be romantically involved, right? Like I, I, I like their relationship. I will say, in hindsight, you saying they don't kiss. I'm like, oh, I wish they would have kissed, but it didn't take me out when I saw it. Just yeah, because I don't part mind of it is because I think didn't. they did such a good job yeah. with this relationship because yeah. it wasn't. Again, I, I, the relationships where it's like, ooh, they hate each other, but they really love each other. Yeah. It's like, no, people who love each other, like a lot of people who love each other, kind of like each other from the beginning, like you know, yeah. Uh-huh. And they were more just very inquisitive about one yes. another. And they wanted, they both had a strong desire for knowledge. I feel like that, knowledge is power, people. <laughs> uh, but I feel like that connected them as well. Uh, but this next part, again, is very hard to describe. It's a huge battle scene. The volcano erupts. Lots of things happen. But a couple things I wanted to highlight. And then, of course, you guys can highlight anything from this. But I thought it was really intense when... They have this huge, like, air balloon. We basically find out that Rourke is prepared for any scenario. He's, That's what I'm saying. They never got yeah. everything he could possibly They didn't need. lose anything by, like, they lost, like, 80% of the submarine in the beginning. But, and like, the apparently there was nothing useful in that 80%. Yeah. So he always is prepared, and he has this huge, like, hot air balloon, I guess. And... That's what's going to like lift them up to get them out of this volcano. And as that's happening and things are erupting and everything's going crazy, he pushes Helga. He says, we need to lighten the load. Oh, yeah. Well, so one thing I did want to bring up in this is is they do kind of sideline the female character for a little bit, Akita. But they've got Audrey and Helga to kind of come in and do other stuff and have some agency. Well, and I like that Helga gets... 
gets him back. Oh. Like, cause you think he throws her off and she's gone, but she holds on and she comes back and she is fighting. She like fights him. And I loved that. I almost wished, but she probably couldn't have thrown him because he's like three times her size. But I kind of yes. wish she threw him over, not she gets thrown over anyway. But I do like that she at least comes back up. It's not mm-hmm. just she gets thrown and that's the end of her. And, and even when he throws her, her her down, she eventually like she kind of helps helps. Yeah, not really helps. She gets her revenge. Yeah. So that happens, and so that I thought was a really intense moment. She winds up shooting a flare at the balloon mm-hmm. from the ground. That's kind of her moment. There. Audrey and Sweet like detach the or try to detach the Kida, thing, the thing that's holding, holding Kida. Kida, and then. This is when he gets a little bit of McLeach vibes. When McLeach goes a little wild, Gaston. He gets wild, yeah. He gets like his hair, his <laughs> eyes. We talk about this with villains when they're like truly wild. Frollo gets it. I almost feel like we need screenshots of each one of these like compared uh. to one another because they are very similar in certain ways. And there is one shot where he's like looking down at Milo and yeah. he is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hair's he's, going wild. Yeah, eyes are wider than they should yeah, be. Yeah, like- and there's like the light of the volcano behind him. But he essentially is like death by crystal. And so we didn't know that this we, was a thing. I don't know exactly point. what happened here. He it's, just like Milo scra- got a piece of the glass. crystal into yeah, him. Uh, is, is it of the crystal? I thought it was a crystal on his okay. neck. And he I could be wrong. He cuts Um what is his name? Rorick. He cuts Rorick with it, and then Rorick starts crystallizing and turning this crystal. And then breaks monster. into a bunch of pieces. Yeah, and then gets it's weird. It, oh, yeah, it's weird. That part was visually very cool. Very cool uh-huh. visually, but I feel but like they never like, established oh, okay, that the crystal could do this. damage in that way. Yeah. And yeah. So that happens. The volcano erupts. I wrote crazy scene. Uh but <laughs> he winds up opening the container that she's in, and this is when she lights up all of Atlantis. And I will say all of this was really cool. Yes. This whole scene of these guardians again we think they're ruins in the water and they're these giant guardians like statues that come out of the water and they go around the whole circle of atlantis the, the most mike mignola looking thing okay. so far is that's very is them. much a hellboy and they thing. are what they clap and they're what creates the force field so in the beginning this is when it comes full circle we saw the force field created but we didn't know how it was created mm-hmm. right so i think it's cool that we see this is how the force fields created to protect the city. And so I don't know if you guys want to talk about any of this at all, if there was anything specific you liked there, in these moments. So the force field, whenever the lava came um, and it like sort of hardened, hardened around mm-hmm. the force field, there was no music. Like it was completely silent. Mm. I find that interesting, the cues, the like the choices of having silence versus not having silence. Yeah, I just found that to be like really a powerful moment. Yeah. And then when it starts to all light up in the design of like Atlantis, you know, and then, yeah, and it kind of all comes back mm-hmm. is a really cool moment. Ryan, did you have anything specific about any of that? I know there's a I lot that cool. happens Like here. that was it. I, I the, the next most specific thing is I have is the, the end. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. after this is when they kind of. You know, tell the Kita floats back down, and she has the bracelet from that her mother, yes. like pulled off of her when her mother floats up. So you realize that like she's connected in some way with her mother while she, this has happened to her. Yeah. Well, when he points, there's something behind her, and she turns and looks, but you as a viewer can't see it for a while, and ends up just being Atlantis is back and beautiful. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be like her mom and everyone, like who had been absorbed by the crystal had yeah. come back. Um. Like those other kings, and I I don't know what I thought. Yeah. Um, 
They they fill the the ship that's going to take them to the surface with treasures, and she's like, "I wish we could do more." And they're like, "No, no, this is fine. Yeah. Like all <laughs> of this like, will be good. good." Especially they're treasure hunters, so like this is like up their alley. And we realize everyone's going to leave, but Milo's going to stay behind. So and we go they, to Whitmore first before they go back to. Atlanta. Well, they each give Milo an individual goodbye, oh, which yeah, I yeah. really liked. They're yes. all kind of unique in their own way. I Almost all of them do an individual goodbye. Packard doesn't. Packard's like, are we ready to go yet? <laughs> I love Packard so much. Um, but she's like over it. She's like, okay, let's get back up. But then, yes, they talk to Whitmore. And the They're we, going over their story. They're like, so what happened to her? You only and- found rocks. These people are missing. But I made Ryan go back and we paused it and watched it several times. They all have, I guess they're parts of the crystal. They're not diamonds. They're parts of the crystal, I guess they all have. Yes. And they all are jewels of some sort, but they're all wearing them in different ways. So Cookies is his tooth. Cookies is his tooth. Moliere, it's in his his bow tie. Uh, Packard is just dripping in like fur and jewels. She's like the (laughs) one in the most opulent outfit. Audrey is in a cute outfit. I think hers might be in her hat. Um, Vinny is an earring. Vinny's an earring. I can't remember what sweets is. I don't either. But it's a. I feel you need to find like just a, a picture of them all in those outfits and put it up on on the social media when it comes out because it's. I just find it. It's it's a really it's, cool. It's a fun scene, but this is another one that I think could have gone away. That's a good point. Yeah, I guess because they're benefiting from. I will say this didn't feel as long as like Fantasia 2000, which I think was shorter or around the same length. Like this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 I don't think it I felt know. long. I think there were sequences that maybe felt long, but yeah. the movie as a whole to me didn't feel long. There is one part in this scene, though, that I really liked, and that was Milo's note to Mr. Whitmore. Yes. I thought yeah, that was and he gives him very the crystal. moving. Yeah. I thought I was touched. I was touched by that. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, yeah. I really liked that a lot, too. And I just like that Mr. Whitmore is like, we just need to keep it a secret. My mm-hmm. heart was like when the lava went over Atlantis, it was it was sealed shut. And that scene did nothing for me. Okay. <laughs> All right. The other thing that I like is we go back to um, Atlantis and Milo helps. I thought this was really this cool. This is really this cool. One, yeah. this, okay. That, then, this then, got you. And then, this then it happened, opens up. And then it, then it cracked my heart milo Mm -hmm. helps kita carve so earlier with the ball of energy and she's saying it's all of the gods of their past they're these i think we kind of talked about it but they're these giant stones and each one is carved to look well you don't you just go she goes the kings of our past and you're like okay and it's all these faces but then they carve her dad on yes and then it floats floats up up and joins and it's very very cool and it looks like there's more of them than there were well, it looks Originally. like there's one for every guardian or something. So I wonder if they become the guardians. Yeah, somehow. I don't know, but um, no, no, but it, it was, it, I like that scene a lot. And they mm-hmm. run up, they run up so they can like watch it like float up. I really liked that scene a lot. And then it zooms out on Atlantis, and Atlantis. that's how it ends. But yeah, I think you know you can tell from our commentary. I feel like we all really enjoyed it. There were mm-hmm. parts of it that I thought was done very well, but I do understand why it didn't do well commercially. Yeah. But I liked it. Like, I feel like it's up all of our alley. Mm-hmm. All right. So how was the princess? The princess in this case was Milo. Okay. I have a question for you. What What is what is your, like, Keystone Michael J. Fox? Like, because you're like, oh, I love Michael J. Fox. But you don't haven't seen all of and don't really care to see Back to the Future, which I, know, I feel like take. is. I know. Which is. <laughs> everybody's Keystone Michael J. Fox performance. So what, like, when you think Michael J. Fox, what do you think of? 
That's funny. I don't know. I just like his voice. Spin City? Maybe. His voice is like very calming to me. Like I just feel like I just get really excited to hear his voice. It's just, it's so boyish, but yet so like relatable. Yeah, I'm sure there's a character somewhere that I relate to as him. I just off the top of my head. Spin City is one. I did watch Spin City. I don't think I'd ever call Michael J. Fox's voice nerdy, but it fit Milo so well. Like he did such a good job yeah. of it. Like frustrated felt more like, like he's smart, but like people don't necessarily listen to him. Mm-hmm. Right. What did you think about yeah. Milo? Yeah, same thing. Like, er, um... Yeah, I think Michael J. Fox, like, whenever I think of Michael J. Fox, I think of Back to the Future, and, like, it's almost like there are lots of, I feel like there's some parallels between the two characters of, like, mm. you know, I don't know if this is a good idea, like, that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. He's like a combination of Doc and Marty, because it's, like, Marty's attitude, but, like, dark Doc's smarts. Yeah, yeah, but, for yeah. sure. Well, and he he also has, like, I like that he's also like his grandfather's very present in him, like to to tie it back to the story, because he's very nervous through all of this exploring. It's clear he hasn't done a ton of exploration, Mm -hmm. but when it's time to save Atlantis, like he doesn't really think twice. He's just like, okay, this is what I have to do. And I really like that about Uh his character. Um, how was the prince, which in this case would be Kida? I love Kida. Like I, love I think Kida she deserves so a spot among. I know we're call, we're calling her the prince because she's not the, but I think she deserves a spot amongst Disney princesses. She is a princess. She's the princess of Atlantis, yes. and she eventually she becomes the queen. Like she takes over for her father. I would imagine. I think there's she's her such a strong Meg, character. Like there's so many princesses that aren't getting any do that need to mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I think know. she's one yeah and with this what's unfortunate is if this was more of a success you gotta wonder would she have more of a presence oh absolutely you know I mean, and that's like what's unfortunate is sometimes there's stronger women characters if the movie isn't you know commercially successful they kind of get like pushed aside and i think that's a real injustice for her character money talks i know uh-huh. Do you agree with us, uh, Amanda? Absolutely. Do you have anything else you want to add in? No, no. I feel like we gushed on her a lot throughout, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. How was the how was were the sidekick henchmen? So like for us, it's kind of like the rest of the dirty dozen. The team. I mean, mm-hmm. let's go around the room, and uh, we know Tara, your favorite is Packard. Packard and Vinny, but I just Packard. I love a cranky old lady. I just really do. Like an old lady with spunk. I don't want to necessarily say cranky, but she like had spunk about her. Let's mm-hmm. do our two favorites. My two favorites were Cookie and Audrey. I liked Audrey a lot. I Audrey actually is cool real, yeah, it's, mm, mm-hmm. Audrey's very good, yeah. Um who were your two favorites? Uh Vinny and Sweets for sure. Sweets, oh, I yeah. think Sweets. Yeah. It's hard like every time you say a different one I'm like, "Oh yeah, I really liked, you know, certain things about them." Yeah. I think it was a good ensemble piece. I think mm-hmm. they did a really good job of, of, of making them feel very like different and interesting and important. Well, uh-huh. and in the beginning, you were saying how there's 20 different characters and I is was... that going to be overwhelming? And I don't think it was. I think because they introduced them all individually, like as Milo was yes. meeting them, and then we got to know their backstories individually, I feel like we got to connect with each one of them. I think in that way, they did the character's justice in the story because it could have been overwhelming. I didn't want to cut out anything that was character. I noticed none of us said Moliere, which I feel like he's the one people like. He's the one that like at the end of the day, I'd be fine if... He's he's a, he's a goofball. He's comic relief, but I was like, okay, like we have. But like, I think there's comic relief in the other characters uh-huh. who are more interesting. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And then henchmen, we've got to talk about Helga. Uh-huh. Do you think so? She was done at the France studio. She was done uh, a little at a different studio. Um, 
I forget why. Like, I think they wanted to have more of like a European look to her, so they decided to have them do it out. She of has the, like a mole. She does have like not that that makes her French, but she's got she's, all French people have moles. That's not what I mean. But like, she was was it above her lip? She or by her eye? She had a mole somewhere on her face. Now I can't remember what it where it was. She, her face just looked a. It felt a little out of place in the movie. Like yeah, it was like she done was designed. Uh-huh. It was clear her design was very different from the yeah. rest of the characters. But I don't know if that helped her. Do you know what I mean? Like, it I, I don't know. Weird. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I liked her as a character a yeah. lot. Like, I thought she. I, I also love the she, ending of yeah, her yeah, as exactly. a character. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think about Helga? Oh, I really liked her. I, I thought that, you know, um, like as far as female villains or, or like, is there even a female henchman that's like as effective Joanna. as Joanna? Joanna, Joanna the Goanna. Yes, uh, but she's not. A human. So, are yeah, there yes. any other human female henchmen? I feel like not. That I know. Yeah, I feel like that's a very unique like take. Yeah, yes. I appreciate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite musical number kind of really doesn't apply to this one. There are some really beautiful instrumental, yeah. like throughout. It's a good score. Yeah, it's yeah. a really great score. Uh, does it hold up? I think we've done a pretty good job with this. Uh, female character agency. There's so many good female characters mm-hmm. and uh, diverse. I feel mm-hmm. like that's the thing I was going to see the ethnic representation in and the cast, animators yeah. as well. You mentioned that in the cast so. and animators in mm-hmm. in the in the characters. I think they did a really good job there. Drinking and smoking. There's a lot of smoking. A lot movie. of smoking. Packard is uh, yes. the one. I mean, it's a PG movie. And then Guns and Firearms. There's a lot of death in this movie. Yeah, There's just kind is. of like people dying in the background. That you're not attached to because it's, they're Tonys. They're Tonys. Right. Um, yeah. But, but a, I, lot of, a lot of explosives, a lot of guns. Like it isn't just one type of weapon. As far as like yes. firearms. And but it's a lot of concerned. like you see a group and they're like, ah, and then it's. Well, at one point, Rourke has, is it a Gatling gun? It's not a Gatling gun, but he has like this giant gun that he's like, I think it's when he's in the hot Machine air balloon. Gun, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, mm. So yeah, there's there's some intense moments there. And they do have a warning for the tobacco at the start of the film. I'm kind of shocked they don't have a like, I guess this is PG. That's your warning. Like if it was G and there was a bunch of, yeah, I guess like some of the old stuff, they mm-hmm. probably wouldn't show it. Uh-huh. Um, guys, it's time—the infallible scientific villain ranking. <laughs> Ferroric, uh, frightening. I don't think he was frightening until the end. He was pretty frightening at the end, but I'm hesitant to give him more than he a, has a, a, a lot two of charm or a three. About yeah. him, which makes him very enticing. That I also ma- his charm makes me frightening. In a mm, way, I can see that. Yeah, because you're wondering what. Like, well. Yes, I yeah. I agree with that, but I don't think that one turn gives him a f- boost. Oh, I don't think he's a five yeah. or anything. Like I think that. he's I a two or a three for me because he is very deceptive. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a two for me because I'm a big strong boy who ain't afraid of nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm actually feeling a four. A four. <laughs> I say yes. go with it if you're feeling yeah. it. Go with it. Oh yeah, it's just like you know he has the person he has the Gaston persona a little bit where he's like he has that slimy white guy character that mm-hmm. that I just it triggers me so <laughs> yeah no and I think that's important to say because what I will say is if going back to the Beauty and the Beast episode I used to love Gaston and you know this is we're not talking about Gaston here but I was very uncomfortable with Gaston for a lot of the film as an adult woman where I wasn't as a mm. child. And so I don't I don't get that as much from him, but I understand where you're coming from and I totally support it. I'm gonna give him a three. 
Because the deceptiveness, he's not scary, like, raw, frightening, but he's very manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, Funny. I think he's, like, again, I don't know that he's that funny. Like, he's very charming. Yeah, but Like, he's got enough... Ch- I think the funny is also kind of likability. Like, just... To me, I want to give him a two or a three based on his charm. See, I disagree with that completely, but that's fine. Okay, well, what would you like to give him? You give him a one? You don't think he's funny at all? I don't think I ever laughed at him. I, I laughed I went, at everyone hmm. else. <laughs> I think that's better than, like, say, the Carnotaur. He's funny. Yeah, all right. I'll give so, him a two. I'll give him a two. I was about to say, he at least gets a two because, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. he's... Yeah, I'll give him a two as well. I think if it this was based solely on his charm, it would be a much higher number for me. I'm giving him a three. Okay. Uh, fierce. He's got a confidence about him. He has an air to him, but I don't I know if it would be. Me. I don't know if it would be drag queen confidence, though. I don't know. We've we've done a we we. I know in the past we've kind of pushed it into different things because yeah. to me there's like a confidence, but like yeah, I think I think a or solid an arrogance. Five, like I think sometimes yeah. two villains have an arrogance, but I don't know that he really had that about him either mm-hmm. because I think he was so deceptive. If he was arrogant, I think Milo would have maybe caught on to him faster, I right? Think, like I, he was in the. I feel like he was in the background a little bit. But I think he had a commanding presence of the of, of, the, the, team? of the team. So to me that's yeah. a two. Like yeah. I think he's 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 not lacking fierceness. He's not devoid of it, but he Agreed. doesn't have a much much. Yeah. So what do you guys want to do? I'll do two. Two. I've changed my mind. I'm going back and I'm doing a two for, for funny. I've thought about it. You had him at a three? Uh yeah, I did, but I'm changing it. I um, you don't have to. Effective. Uh, he did okay. He got the crystal. He just didn't get it out. So mm. I think I think he's still in the one to three range in there. He's in the yeah. bottom half. Right. But I don't know. I mean, he gets the journal. Yeah, and he, like, and it's also like the manipulation part. I feel like is very effective. Like he got yeah. the team on on board with him for a good for a good amount of the movie, amount, and yeah. Milo had no idea. Yeah, what was going on for a good amount of the movie. Mm-hmm. I'll give him a three. Gonna I'm going to give him a three, too. I don't think he goes higher than a three, but what are you going to give him? I think I'm going to give him the same. Mm. I, I, I feel like I really liked him in yes. general, but I feel yeah. like I like by our metrics, I'm like, you're not going above a three on anything for me. Yeah, he's hard. I don't think he's a one on anything. No. Yeah. Like, design, I think he looked good, but I think he looked like James Garner, a little younger James Garner. And like, he had like he had features of McLeish a little bit. I like the Magnolia look, but that's kind of a design for the whole project. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I think he's a two or a three to me. I would say three because I think he's he's fine. Hmm. A two. Yeah, I'm gonna give him a two. Okay. But I I understand go, why you're giving him a three. No, I think I'm gonna give the Magnolia bump is what I'm gonna call it. Yeah, that's fine. Go away heat. He had one go away heat with me. He didn't do any, like, in fact, like, I would say, like, he almost I think had no go away Mol- heat. Moliere had more go away yes. heat for me than. Because he was James Garner, and you're like, oh, James I Garner. love the, I love oh. his voice. Like, that's it calmed you into it. not wanting to have go away heat. But that's the deceptiveness, I feel like, in him, too. But uh-huh. yeah, yes. I, I never saw him and didn't, I think when but, I didn't want him on the screen is when he pushed Helga. I really, I was like, ugh. But then Helga came back up, and that, like, yeah. got me excited that she, like, you know. So, to me, even when he makes the turn, I'm never like, oh, this guy's like, like he's not Hans and he's I, not. I don't know. Like, I disagree. Like, for me, well, that, that that's is, fine. Yeah. yeah. This this number might be a little high for me because like it, it's it's again, it's just like he's Christopher Columbus. Like that is like what mm. my mind goes to. And, and that Got is it. 
you know, just not, a problem. not good. Yeah. Yeah. So I might actually give him a four. I gave him a one because I don't care about the plight of indigenous people. I, okay. Um, that no. needs, look, that one might need to be edited out. I know you're like funny about those sometimes. I just, that's what I feel like when I'm like, I feel like a one. And then someone like goes, well, I think it's a four because if here's some awful things, I'm like, well, it's not that I. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, well, and that's in that light, I mean, yeah. Yeah. we've talked about this. We, I think we talked about it in Fantasia 2000 about like. Our different privileges also make oh, us yeah, see yeah, yeah. things different ways. So I enjoy, you know, yes, we're talking about animated Disney. Amanda isn't hypnotized by the velvety tones of James Garner. <laughs> no, I, I sure was. Uh, I'm going to give him a two. I'll give him a two. Okay. I'm going to give him a two for woke fa- for yes factor just because I like James Garner. I'm going to do the same. I did like, I, this wasn't a villain that I had to like look up his name when I was doing oh, research yeah. so I obviously like when I heard like oh know. James Garner I was like oh James Garner yes, like that I, it's more of I got yes factor for James Garner mm-hmm. than I do for Agreed. makes sense yeah. that makes sense okay. I'll, I'll give him a two for that he is a 16.7 oh where does that put him he is 30 38 right above Honest John and right below the Sheriff of Nottingham okay that feels right well guys we've reached the end but we do have as always just one more question for everyone um do you uh add this to your collection get it in a nice clamshell edition or do you lock it away in the vault i would definitely put this on my shelf yeah i would for the world building and the creativity alone i think there are a lot of really and the strong women characters i think there are a lot of really good moments in this film and i also think if you have a child out there that gravitates towards sci-fi i think this is you know what I mean? They can they can enjoy Disney in a different way because this isn't something Disney does all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, boy or girl or yeah. in between. It, yeah, I, I I think um I think any child anyone has could appreciate this. Um, you know, showing them this because I think you know one of the things that's cool about this having such a strong female cast is that I don't think that was the point of this. You know, it, like it wasn't I feel a like huge like that wasn't their goal like from yeah, minute one. It wasn't like yeah. our movies about girls kicking butt. Like it's like our movie is about a group getting together and like every individual works and it's a it's a it's a, it's multicultural yeah. cast and 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 and, and you know many different you know multiple genders. Uh-huh. Well, and I'm also curious to ask you because out of the three of us, you've been in the world of sci-fi the longest and enjoyed it a lot as a child. I, okay, so I feel like you called me old there when you said that's I was not in the what world I. Of that's not what I longest. meant. No, 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 no. <laughs> what I meant was by the time this comes out, I will be forty. No, what I and I think you're a little sensitive to that. What I meant <laughs> was I got into sci-fi as an adult. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant by that comment. Is you've been in the world of sci-fi since child. You've you've gravitated towards that. You've enjoyed that media, that style, that like genre, right? So my question to you is: If this was out when you were a kid, would you have appreciated that there was like an animated version of a lot of the stories? I think if you've got a kid who likes Star Wars or Indiana Jones, they're going to really like this that's, because that's, that's basically the thing. My it's, question. Like this yeah. isn't even really sci-fi to me, but it's this okay. very specific Jules Verne type of old sci-fi. Okay, like that's and and they don't do a lot of this. It's like I've got a, a role-playing game called Hollow Earth Expedition where it's all about this type of like Hollow Earth Atlantis, blah 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 stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love that kind of thing. And it's you know it's it's been interesting to me that I've been kind of I haven't seen it before now. So if you've got some weirdo kid like me, they're okay, gonna love don't, it. Don't no, label that's them me. a weirdo. That's me saying, I oh, think, that I you're think, a weirdo. Okay, I'm okay, a weirdo. Okay. Like like this is such a specific thing that I still yeah I think love it's a day, specific this, like, niche, but I think yeah. there are a lot of kids out there that gravitate to that. Yeah, so, and yeah. I think. I think it's it's 
I mean, to me, the guns, I think it's going to be a little bit of an older kid because there's the guns and the smoking. Yes, and it's but PG it's like, rating. So, yeah, I yeah. don't think, but. I, I But I do think, like, there's so many good lessons, good things to be learned from this. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like you said, the colonialists, the 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 the, the white like, wow, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, conqueror uh, is mm-hmm. the bad guy. They're pushing this like more like cultural. There's a multicultural cast. There's there's women kicking butt. There's all sorts of stuff, and uh, women kicking a butt in a way that isn't going like, huh? See, because uh-huh. the thing again, this is like an all dude. There's some women in here, like like uh, on the on the crew. But it's like mostly guys. Yeah, this and thing, I do so it's feel to, to I do feel that. like uh-huh. in present day, sometimes Disney it leans more towards, "Huh, see what we did? Yeah, Isn't this great?" great. Yes. So it is really nice to see that they didn't do this here, and it it came through very strongly. Right, um, Amanda. Thank you once again, four timers. Yes, for coming in. Always a pleasure. You know the drill. We ask our guests to plug something, whether it's a personal project, some piece of media they've been enjoying, or even just a, a, a sentiment they want to put out there in the world. You've had three. Let's hear what the fourth one Yes, I am really excited for this one. So Ooh. if you are in the Baltimore area, for those of you who are, and if you are a musician, I am a part of a community orchestra called the Baltimore Gamer Symphony Orchestra, completely volunteer, all skill levels, no auditions. As a musician, like, I just listened to your Fantasia um, episode not too mm. long ago. Oh, yeah. And, like, just that talk of, like, how toxic and and everything that the music world can be, like, that does not happen in this community orchestra. So, like, oh I really... Gosh, I I really want to plug it out there, and we play exclusively video game music. I, I was about to say, because you didn't dive into that immediately, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, did I hear the word game over there? I yeah, that's awesome. That's so great, and it fills my heart with so much joy, Yeah, because I'm sure there are pockets of those types of communities out there, and you never really hear about them, right? Because yeah. it's so... Thank you for sharing that. And I really hope, I know we definitely have some listeners who are in the Maryland, Virginia area. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so check them out. Yes. You know, if you play, if you're a musician. Do you like, have, do you guys have a, a website, a website yes. or any social media or anything? Because we'll be sure to plug that when this episode comes out. Yeah, BaltimoreGSO.org. And there's also a, a Facebook page, the Baltimore Gamer Symphony Orchestra. That's awesome. What's what's your what's your favorite thing you've gotten to play since you've joined the group? Right now we're doing like all like Maryland based studios and we're doing Bethesda yeah we do like a couple of follow things but the one thing that I really like is from Civ 4 Baba Yetu Um, it's orchestra and choir I forgot to mention that. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. So, so that even expands it more. That's great yeah. for folks who are singers and not necessarily instrumentalists. That's awesome. But I, I just love that piece. It gives me goosebumps every time I play it. So I am so a excited that you're a part of it because I just feel like it. I just feel like that's like something that's important yes. for you. Not to like put words in your mouth. No, but no. I'm also like it just fills my heart with so much joy that exists. We used to live in that area. Of the country, so it just like fills my heart that that exists. It's so cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Well, guys, check that out, and uh, we will be back next time with uh, oh my gosh, Li- Lilo. Let me start it over. <laughs> so check them out. Um, we'll put up stuff on our social media. Our next movie is 
Lilo and Stitch. I why I don't know why I can't Lilo. What is the name of the movie? Lilo and Stitch. My brain, like we've done this. This this one's staying in. I've tried. We've tried it. You said when you said cut it out. Listen, this is we've tried this multiple times for some reason. Have you seen this movie? Have you seen this? Yes, I seen it. And here's the thing. Just now you told me how to say it. I've already like (laughs) am not confident. Try Lilo? it again. Yeah. Okay. All right, Ryan. I'm going to give you what you always tell me. You've got this. Say it confidently. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> we'll have it with a, a very special guest. Uh, Stitch herself will be, and you'll understand what that means when you listen to it. I know. A little um, teaser. Yes. Guys, uh, thanks for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend about our little podcast. Uh, but until next time, uh, we'll see you guys around. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Thank you.